0: to the bring your lunch pail sports podcast oh! presented by luke's pizzas so don't do that for a thank you for the advice featuring lucas clark and nigel Romain.
1: tell me more about these lizard overlords
0: now introducing your host tanner retz back to episode eight of the bring your lunch pail sports podcast once again tan the traveling man is out he is currently in paris so it's just nigel and i here with part two of unhinged bring your lunch pail we oui, we oui. <laughs> we are cultured
1: we are cultured we are not currently eating croissants or, cham- or drinking champagne like tanner which we, is I'm a little jealous about.
0: We are drinking Michelob Ultra, though.
1: Yeah, a really fine, fine beverage. I don't know
0: sure. if they have that in France, but <laughs> they, they keep it to the Stella
1: Artois.
0: Yeah, know. that's that's a good point. All right, so I know last week. Hopefully, you guys have gotten through the long verse of episode seven that you know came out to about two and a half hours when it was all said and done. So this week Nigel and I are gonna to try to keep it on the tracks a little bit more.
1: Yeah, three hours somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah,
0: know, just some light, light listening. Light listening. So I think we're gonna we're gonna simplify it this week and we're just gonna keep it to two topics. I know we signed off on the last episode saying that we were gonna probably do an episode just covering the husky spring game, but the weekend kinda got away from us as it does. So kinda put that on the back burner. So I think this week We're going to start off with some NFL draft talk, seems appropriate, given that the draft just wrapped up today. And then for the second segment, we'll get around to our Husky preview, spring game preview or recap, I guess, and uh, talk a little Husky football. We've, We've been dying to do it, so we'll finally give you guys hopefully what you want to hear. I know I want to talk about Husky football. i got a lot of thoughts, but to start, let's just get right into the NFL draft. And we're just going to take it from the top, Um, starting with the first pick, Houston Texans, Bryce Young. Got anything to say about that now? You You mean Carolina,
1: Bryce Young.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Carolina, Bryce Young. I'll scrub that. (laughs) 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 I probably won't. Uh,
1: Yeah. Not too much to say about that. I think everyone pretty much knew that uh, he was going to be the number one overall pick. Um, You know, it... Cool thing for him. I I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see how he, you know, how he develops as a as a small guy. That's you know, as short as Russell Wilson and, and much slighter. So yeah, I mean, I'll be, be an interesting interesting development in his career there. But I think he's he's a talented quarterback, no doubt, and uh, deserved number one. I think overall.
0: Yeah, I I don't think we've mentioned this little snippet at least on the podcast. I know we talked about it before, but. Only one other player at quarterback has ever been selected that I think is under six feet and under 200 pounds. You remember that is? Because I know I told you.
1: Yeah, I do remember you telling me this, but I can't can't think of it. Seneca
0: Wallace.
1: Ah, that's right. That's right. Well, we all know how his career went. Superstar. (laughs) Wide receiver, that is.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Superstar wide receiver. Playoff hero. But, yeah, so... He
1: filled out quite a bit after. Yeah, he definitely wasn't that.
0: 190 pounds when he was playing for the Seahawks and yeah, playing was, wide receiver. He got thicker. He but, up quite a bit, yeah. But, so it'll be interesting to see how Bryce Young fares, but they got their guy. Yeah. I mean, you traded up for the number one pick, so like I said, I think a lot of people assumed that that was going to be the pick, because why would you yeah. move up from nine to one unless you're going to pick the quarterback and well, by all did, accounts. They did
1: say that they were open to trading that pick, though, if you remember.
0: I mean, which I don't think was
1: ever actually true. I
0: heard that, but yeah, it's just like I I don't know, it all seems like just crazy draft conjecture. That you, there's so much disinformation that's put out there that it's, it's hard to say. The
1: only, the only, uh, I guess, problem and interesting thing is going to be for Bryce Young is that. Um, he's going to a place that has less talented wide receivers than he currently had at Alabama. That's a good point. <laughs> um, so that part will be interesting to to see how that plays out if he can uh, continue to make plays without any wide receiver help. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Who do they have at, at running back?
0: They just got, uh, didn't they? Just get Miles Sanders?
1: Yeah. Or did that? He... That, that, that sounds right. Yeah, Miles Sanders is a Carolina Panther. So. He's a, he's a solid running back, but outside of that, I don't know how much help he's gonna have.
0: Yeah, I so. don't. Like I said I literally don't know who plays wide receiver for him right now.
1: Yeah, they traded. They traded away their best wide receiver. Yeah, to, to Chicago. Pick, so. Yeah. yeah. D
0: J Moore. So.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what he can do with that. Best of luck to him. Yeah. Without any wide receiver talent, uh, I'll pray for him. They'll probably be back in the top five next year, though. So he'll. He'll have his uh, pick of Ohio State wide receivers to to uh, throw to. Yeah, exactly. Next year. So. Um, moving on to the next pick in the in the draft, it was the Houston Texans uh, who picked C.J. Stroud. Uh, yeah, a lot of. I know. I, mean, I know. Uh, they had said so. Interesting deal here. They actually traded up to get the third pick, also. And get Will Anderson, so they got the quarterback, and they got the best defensive player. Uh, so pretty bold move. I feel like that's. Uh, I I think I saw Jalen Ramsey say this, and I couldn't agree more. It's like what I would do if I'm playing Madden. Yeah, and I was like, I just like I'm going to get the best two players here, and and uh, then make my my fantasy team here. And so Texans actually did that, which I think is kind of cool that they just yeah, jumped right thought- back in and went for it.
0: I thought it was pretty crazy, too, because I know I said this when we were watching the draft, is that's actually what Daniel Jeremiah had in his last mock draft, was them trading back into that third pick. And then, yeah, I don't know if he had it, Stroud, and then...
1: Will Anderson or vice versa? Or
0: vice versa. I don't know. I I am curious. I don't know if the, the dollar amount on your contract changes a lot for second versus third pick. Maybe it's all the same. In the top three, but I'm not
1: sure on that one. But I would guess that it probably doesn't change all that much, or else they might have.
0: Or yeah, plus plus you have to make sure
1: they could actually make that trade once they uh, once they got Stroud. Yeah. So
0: yeah, yeah. you don't want somebody else to come in and and sweeten the pot, and 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 then be like, no, 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 Arizona, give us the third pick. We want Stroud. We'll give you more.
1: Yeah. So once you took it off the table, then then you can go back in and get Will Anderson. Overall, it, there was rumors swirling around that they were they were not going to pick a quarterback and that they were going to to go defensive player. Uh, and and they did both fans. instead. But, yeah, they did both. I, I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, good move by by them. They've got a lot of building to do. They're another team that's probably going to be right back in the top five next year.
0: Yeah, C.J. Stroud's lucky he'll be he'll get Marvin Harrison Jr. next year when they <laughs> yeah, exactly. when they're right no, back he's in there. His pick
1: of Ohio State uh, uh, guys for his for his uh, next year's draft. But overall, I think two important building pieces for for the Texans. I think Will Anderson is going to be a dude. I wish he would have fallen to the Seahawks, but uh, that just never seemed like it was going to be the case. And I think he's just going to be a stud. He's going to be one of those guys. He's going to be like. Um, like J.J. Watt, just, just stuck being the best defensive player in the league on the worst team in the league every single year. So we'll see. We'll, hopefully uh, the Texans can step it up, but who knows. Bad organization. yeah. But I like Tomiko Ryans, and former player there.
0: Yeah, so if anyone can write the ship, hopefully it's him just for – seems like a good story for the Texans. And you got your – your pieces, your your building blocks on each side of the ball. So aggressive move to move right back into the third pick, but uh, if you end up getting the two best players in the draft in those two picks, I don't think anyone's gonna be losing sleep over what they had to give up for it. If, you know, a couple years from now, CJ Stroud's yeah, one of the, the best quarterbacks and Will Anderson's one of the best edge rushers in the game, then yeah. gonna be talking about how they were smart and how D'Amico Ryan's got Gifted an opportunity there in Houston as a first first time head coach. So, yeah i I
1: think that that's kind of the the way of the NFL these days too. Is you just kind of have to make those bold bold plays like that sometimes. And it seems like the teams that have the guts to go do it usually end up doing a pretty good job of it. Like the the Niners who Domingo Ryan's came from had done that a few times. And, well,
0: well, I don't know if that's a good example. You mean like when they moved up to get Trey Lance? Yeah, I, I still think
1: Trey Lance has some... He got hurt, what, week four? Or five,
0: when the Bears late. moved up to get Mitchell Trubisky.
1: Yeah. I, okay, there's a, there's plenty <laughs> of examples of quarterback busts, but I, I think that going up to... Not too many teams have gone up and gone back-to-back picks. Like True. That in the top five, and I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how it plays out, but... it's it seems like it's the bold type of play that you need to rebuild your team and, and build a program around it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, moving on to pick number four, which uh, that, was, that was a hurtful one because I was really hoping he tried to put that energy out there that Will Levis was going to be the guy that the Colts picked, and that was clearly wishful thinking <laughs> and hoping that Anthony Richardson would fall to five and the Seahawks would at least have the decision to make if they wanted to pick him and the Colts went ahead and took that off the board for him by getting AR 15. But I don't know. Like like he's definitely, I mean, we talked about this from the beginning that definitely a guy that a lot of hype. We started
1: the hype train actually. It feels like we we did. Uh, If you don't remember episode one, we talked about Anthony Richardson brought him on the map for you guys. And uh, no one was talking about him at that point as a top five pick. I can guarantee you that.
0: Well, to be fair, I don't know that we were talking about him as a top five pick. <laughs> although, I I do think I can I can pull up the receipts, maybe. But I was thinking that maybe that number nine pick, this was before Carolina traded from number nine. I was thinking that that might be a spot that he would land. Yeah. So still top ten, and maybe if the Seahawks were feeling really gung ho about it. You think maybe he's the ninth or tenth overall pick, and if you're feeling really good, maybe you just go ahead and snag him at number five. But then he went to the combine and bawled out and showed everyone showed everyone how much of a physical freak he is and parlayed that into the fourth overall pick. And honestly, you know, we talked about this when we were watching the draft, but the Colts, you know, they always play that funny clip. I hear him say on the radio of Jim Ursay talking about like The the Colts are in the upper quartile of the upper quartile of the upper quartile and winning percentage or whatever. And it sounds silly when he says it, but there is some truth to it is that they are one of the more winning organizations over the last 20 years. Big part of that is having Peyton Manning for the majority of it, and then having one bad season and And then then falling right into Andrew Luck. So you've had, granted, Andrew Luck retired early, but you've had two generational talents at quarterback, basically. 19 out of the last 20 years that you've played yeah. so yeah, i do think they've
1: down the quarterback position they have, they have a history of good quarterbacks
0: yeah and the colts like i said my my main point there is that the colts feel like they're a better organization like if anthony richardson would have been picked by the texans or even you know the raiders that are a few picks behind there. seahawks obviously also fall into that camp for good organizations they like Feel like a player like that lands on a good team, they might be able to get the most out of them Yeah. And then there's certain there's certain organizations where you feel like guys just go to fail. And
1: like the Texans,
0: like the Texans or the Raiders yeah. or the Browns, like. Yeah, there's a few, but there. the Colts are definitely in that more the, uh, better run organizations yeah. that like. I think that's a good it's, landing spot for him. It's funny because
1: that they're such a well run organization because I feel like Jim Irsey is kind of a
0: wild man. Yeah, a
1: wild man. Like a couple years ago he was like had all the drug issues and stuff going on and like he's he's a little bit out there but
0: he just likes to drink and pop some perks and go for drives, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just leave him alone.
1: Yeah. Well, when you're a billionaire, I guess you can you, you can yeah, going. you can get away I mean, with it. Yeah. But like, Anthony Richardson, at the end of the day just too much talent to let him slip out of the top 5. Someone had to take him. Uh I think you uh, you probably hit it on the head here that if he was there, the Seahawks they just might have taken him because they yeah, clearly, so... clearly they, they clearly we'll get to this more, but they clearly passed on Jalen Carter, which we'll get to, and um, I think that he he if he was there, he might have been the Seahawks quarterback when it was all said and done. Um, uh,
0: yeah. So moving on, then fifth overall, Seahawks take Devin Witherspoon.
1: Who man didn't have him. As my top need, like cornerback. Although we needed cornerbacks, but just seeing the first, just Google uh, Devin Witherspoon's highlight reel, and the first play that's going to come up on there is just this massive. Is it de-cleat. the same one they showed? Yeah, it's the same on, one yeah, they showed. For like, the guy's like, running it like It has fly to be the first sweep. one on every highlight reel where they're running like a fly sweep or a pass on a fly, like fly sweep action, and he just absolutely decleats this guy. So the dude is just a, he's a physical quarterback which is right yep. up the Seahawks alley he he's like every single every single play at least on the highlight tape you know highlight tapes do lie a little bit but he's just physical on every play he make every he's in there on every tackle he makes the guys feel it he's not afraid to put his nose in there and go tackle people which i think uh definitely reek is not necessarily there yet yeah, where he's putting his nose in there, and that was one of the that was one of the positives about Sherman back in the day was that he he wasn't afraid to go tackle people on on the run. No. Like he was he was great in pass defense, but probably his best asset was that he was he was a great like run tackler. Like he he got people down. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest form all the time, but he he got people to the ground. It was
0: effective. Exactly. And I'm at least not to switch gears too much, but I know Reek Woolen has at least already commented on that. bit. like heard him in interviews since the season has end ended, like, you know, you had a great year, like what are you working on? What what do you get better at? He's like, gotta get better at tackling, yeah. gotta get better at helping out and run support. Yeah. And hopefully he's working out with Sherman. And yeah. like, you got you got a long frame, like those guys can be good tacklers just because you have all those limbs and like you just got to find a way to get in there, yeah. Wrap guys up and then let the cavalry show up and pull them down. You don't have to be a big hitter.
1: Yeah, and if, if uh last year was any indication, the guy can clearly learn pretty well. If if you, if, if yeah, he uh, takes the coaching, yeah, exactly. Takes the coaching well. Like Reek was, by all accounts, a horrible pass defender last year and ended up being pretty darn good for the Seahawks. So yeah, they can like. Uh, Coach him up on the run fits. that's that's great, but, but anyway, back it. to Devin Witherspoon um, personally, I love the pick
0: and yeah it's it's interesting that he's labeled too as like a physical tackler 'cause they what they got him at five eleven hundred and eighty pounds, yeah, <laughs> so it's not like you know it's not your Brandon Browner profile that it's like here's a six two two hundred and five two hundred and ten pound corner. Yeah, You know, but there. it's like, well, yeah, obviously that guy's pretty good at tackling. Like he's built like a safety, and he plays corner. He should be good at tackling. It's like, no, this guy's built like a corner. He's yeah. 5'11", he's 180. He's just
1: not afraid to get in there. Yeah. And he's, he's fast, and he's fast and not afraid to hit. So he comes in. He looks the part of a Seattle defensive player. Like, he lays the boom, and he he wants to get in there and hit guys. And he's good at coverage. I think he had, um, let me see here, I think he had 14 pass breakups last year, something like that. So it's a lot. Yeah, in a was, twelve game season. Yeah, a twelve game season. Yeah. Fourteen pass breakups last year, nine the year prior to that. Um, a couple of picks. I think he had a, a pick six in there too. So the guy's uh I don't know that he's known for his hands, but he's you know, he's capable of catching the ball and, and taking it the other way too.
0: Yeah, I will say on the whole Devin Witherspoon thing, I was a little surprised that that's who we picked at number five although i can uh i can go back and grab the clip we could hit the little way back machine like i still think that 20th pick is primed for a corner because there's so many corners in it it's a deep position for this draft and i think the seahawks i think they might be a little more tempted to get a top corner and just solidify that. I hear Richard Sherman saying that he hasn't confirmed that Pete's going back to lob days and going back to 4-3, cover-3 base type defense. So you need your pieces. I did say that I thought that cornerback was going to be a position that they were going to get in the first round. Like, obviously... Remember, I I threw out Keely Ringo. Ended up not going to the fourth round. I don't know what happened to him because everything I saw had him going, you know, late, late first round, more likely early second round. He went to the fourth, but regardless, I thought that they would pick a corner at twenty because it was an area, an area that they wanted to address because they want to get back to Pete Carroll's core of L O B strong, strong defense, like back end defensive and. I feel like you got it now. Yeah, you got Devin Witherspoon. You got Reek, You got your safeties. You got three of them. You got three safeties now. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. that, I think yeah. I think in in that regard, and you
1: still have Kobe Bryant, who's a very yeah good exactly. You have depth. Yeah.
0: You have depth and versatility in these guys, and yeah. you know it does make sense that you got you got your your six three former wide receiver corner. It's not as physical of a tackler, but clearly he shows he's got ball skills, speed. So what do you do? You pair him up with. The opposite, smaller guy that's a bit better of a tackler, and yeah. ideally they're both great in coverage. But you know, you kind of opposites, opposites attract. There that you got, so you have balance and you have versatility. Yeah. um The one thing I'll say about Witherspoon too, to kind of put a bow on this, is I heard him on the radio uh when he, you know, right after the day after he gets picked, he already flies out to Seattle. And they got him there doing live interviews. And they had Ian Rappaport on the radio oh, yeah. beforehand. Yeah, I heard this. Thing. And there was kind of some crossover because uh, it was Ian Furness is talking to him. And he's like, all right, like, wrapping this up. I got Devin Witherspoon. Sorry, Rap. Like, I'm going to have to bump you because uh, I'm definitely going to talk to Witherspoon. And he's like, and the thing that Rappaport says, and he says it to him when Witherspoon's, like, putting the headset on or whatever, he's like, you made a lot of people angry after the Seahawks picked you because the Lions definitely wanted you like a bunch of teams right behind everyone the Seahawks. Was everyone was ready to draft you. And they got pissed because the Seahawks took you. So like credit to you, like that's how valuable you were. And so, yeah, like that says, I think that says a lot that like, if we didn't pick them, like I said, I think we pissed off a lot of teams because they thought they we're going to go they Jalen they Carter. We were
1: go Carter and they were going to, Either have him or be able to trade up. To and get so him.
0: then moving to the next pick,
1: I, I want to say one more thing. Okay. To come, just to wrap up then Witherspoon. Yeah, make it fast. Is that uh, John Schneider also said after the after day one that they had two guys. He didn't say who obviously, but he said we had two guys at number five that we were we were willing to pick, and Witherspoon was one of them, and I assume that that um, that Anthony Richardson was the other. That then he wasn't there. at that point but they they had two 1a 1b those were the guys that they were willing to pick
0: yeah i'm obviously biased because i was on the anthony richardson hype train early on but in my mind the subtext there is exactly that we had two guys at pick number five and we went with the best available
1: unless it was unless it was Bijan, it could be the other one i'd say but yeah because we did and we'll, we'll get to that
0: but let's yeah, that's so, then, so then building off of at least what I was just saying is that pissed off a lot of teams behind us is that I feel like the Lions were going to take Devin Witherspoon, and then once he was gone, that's how the Cardinals then trade right back up to go get Paris Johnson, Yeah, because now the Lions are like, well shit, our guy that we wanted is gone.
1: And Cardinals get a much needed O tackle.
0: <laughs> yeah, they need it for Kyler, so to, like to
1: protect Kyler. So
0: that pick makes sense. I'm ready to move on to the next one, yeah. Tyree Wilson. I'm going to keep that one short too. Cause already said it. A lot of lot of hype going into it that maybe the Seahawks would pick him at five. Maybe he would go even higher than or go ahead of Jalen. Which I mean, he did go ahead of Jalen Carter, but you know, would go higher than Jalen Carter at five. It like might be one of the top defensive players taken off the board. I don't know. He seems like a perfect fit for the Raiders. <laughs> great Raiders pick. Yeah. Just a freak athlete. I just don't know. And I'm reminded when I was listening back to the podcast, I messed up and I said he's from Texas A&M. Although I didn't even, <laughs> even know this. He's actually a transfer from Texas A&M. Yeah. So and then, I was both wrong and right somehow without even knowing it. But he,
1: well, the one thing I'll say about him, he's got a great frame.
0: He has he's looked he, like a monster. Yeah, he's remember huge. when yeah, he came he, out he, for the draft, but like. yeah,
1: his neck is like the size of my thigh. But he has the the one thing positive I'll say for him is that he has Max Crosby on that team, who's going to do the majority of the disrupting. So he just needs to go out there and eat up Max Crosby's scraps, and he, he'll he can go out there and put up numbers because Crosby is. I think if there was one defensive player in the league that I wish was a Seahawk that. Current NFL player, I think it would be Max Crosby. The guy's just so disruptive and doesn't get necessarily the sack numbers, but he just disrupts every play. So yeah, he, the pressures I, are there. Yeah, exactly. So just high motor, every single play, no matter what. So hopefully, for Tyree's sake, he can uh, eat up some of Max Crosby's scraps when he's blowing up plays and uh, get some sacks. Moving on.
0: Yeah, number eight. That was the one. Had a feeling, and there was a lot of there was a lot of talk going into the draft that it seemed like the Falcons were going to take Bijan at number eight. It's a great pick. Yeah, I was bummed. You know, had <laughs> I well, like we said it in the last one that, and uh, I know Vinny tried to roast us in the uh, in yeah. the group text because he had said like hopefully you could get Bijan at twenty, yeah. but you yeah. remember I said we talked about I don't know if Vinny was kind of right but also kind of wrong because we talked about. Picking Bijan at five or trading back a few spots to try My to ten. get him. Now, granted, we would have only been able to trade back a couple spots because the Falcons are always going to take him at eight. Yeah, but
1: the, the guy is going to be a star in the NFL. You just no doubt about it. It's a time in the, the NFL where it's not cool to take running backs in the in the top ten uh, unless they're Bijan and they're this good. He's the guy's going to be a stud. Um uh, Take him on your your fantasy team. He's gonna be, he's gonna be he's gonna be a star. Um, I don't it, do it in our league if you're <laughs> if anyone who's in our league don't do it because I'm gonna stay away that. from him. Yeah, stay away because I want to yeah. but but outside of that, like if you're listening, if you're listening, take Bijan, man. I, I promise I
0: you, he's gonna Bijan's be gonna be Bijan's gonna be like a top seven pick in fantasy. I feel like this oh year. yeah, I
1: think so too. I mean, the
0: Falcons were already the led the league in rushing attempts last year. Yeah. And that's with guys like Cordrell Have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and that's with guys like Cordrell Patterson and Tyler Algiers, who well, are Algiers put nice, together a
1: really nice season. Like, he
0: did. He also got a lot of touches. Yeah, but no offense to him, but he's not nearly the skilled player that Bijan is. Yeah. yeah. Also, Bijan's going to catch the ball too. I think way yeah. more than those guys do.
1: Yeah. And, Assuming
0: they have somebody who could throw it to him, <laughs> which is a big assumption, but. And,
1: and Bijan, like, I haven't heard much of him talking before, but, like, I heard his interview right after he got, right after um, the first round. He's and good on the mic. He's great on the mic. He's, like, kind of soft-spoken, like, really community-oriented guy. He's, like, can't wait to just buy a small little modern modern house in Atlanta that I can live in and uh, give back to the community. Just, like,
0: and, and sell my Bijan mustard.
1: My <laughs> <laughs> like, Bijan mustard. Yeah, the guy, he's just going to be, a, he's just a stand-up dude, going to be a star, uh, just book that. He's not going to be the guy that's eating the lemon pepper wings at the Atlanta strip clubs, I don't
0: think. He's gonna, <laughs> let's, let's hope not yeah, for his yeah, sake. Yeah, you got to exactly. stay out of the strip yeah, he's club, gotta, Yeah,
1: he's, I don't think he's going to be licking the lemon Magic, pepper. <laughs> Magic City is yeah, not the place. I don't think he's going to be licking the lemon pepper off his fingers, <laughs> so I think, I think he's going to be uh, a really good player, so... Uh, Next here, number nine, uh, we got Philadelphia Eagles, and they picked Jalen Carter.
0: Yeah, they actually moved up a spot.
1: Yeah, moved up a spot to to grab him. Uh, it's you know it's been the talk of draft season is what's going to happen with Jalen Carter. Uh, still ended up in the top ten. Clearly, you know, I was I was very going home on the Seahawks taking him, but it, it's you know pretty clear that from what the Seahawks did and from what others kind of decided here in the top eight before that that it just wasn't worth the risk of of his off field stuff. I've heard that there was there was some stuff that was coming out I think at, like right on draft day too that people were talking about. I, I think it was Rob Rang was talking about it that at the senior bowl he was talking to other Georgia players and kind of prying, I did hear this. trying to pry out information from some of the guys but it sounded like he just kind of got the superstar treatment at uh, Georgia, and like gets gets special days off, gets gets uh, plays off, doesn't have to show up to to the same workouts and all the stuff that some of the other guys have to do. So, st- you know, more red flags with the situation. Uh, I think
0: I think you're the one who told me this though is that they they did say those like come game day.
1: Oh yeah, come game shows day. Up. He shows up. Yeah, he shows up. Yeah, obviously. no 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 doubt there. I mean, in the tape speaks for itself. Like the guy shows up on the football field. Yeah. But in the NFL, those little those little things, if you're, if you're used everyone's, to... That, everyone's you're
0: talented in the NFL. You yeah. can't just show up and expect to dominate a game unless you're doing all the little things. And maybe this will humble him. I mean, honestly, he's like, I would have liked to see the Seahawks get him and see what he could do. It does seem like he's in a perfect scenario, though, with the Eagles. Because oh you got Jordan Davis. That, like You have a bunch of Georgia guys, and we can get into the other guys. We'll, we'll get to their other picks. Yeah. And how they double double or triple down on it. But it's yeah. like, you already have Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean. A couple guys that are captains on that Georgia team that won it the year before. So, if there are character issues there, yeah,
1: then, those are
0: the guys you want them to be around again. And then you, have the
1: Cox, who's like, yeah, who's then you have Fletcher Cox, who is one of the yeah. best D-linemen in the... In the NFL, and, as, and uh, as, Graham, yeah, and, they still have Graham, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you have one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL there, and one of the best leaders by all accounts in the NFL as well. To, to kind of keep things, you know, keep things on the straight and narrow. So i I think it's a good situation for Jalen Carter. He seemed he seemed very excited to be picked. He was he was crying his eyes out, and um, I'm sure that's a lot. To go through for a young person, and a lot of a lot of eyes on you, and it's only going to be more once he gets the NFL. So, uh, good for him. Good pick by the Eagles. I just can't believe really, they keep they keep just getting all of these fantastic D linemen, and uh, and everyone just lets them do it.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, moving moving on, and we'll talk more about the Eagles because they also have another pick in the first round, and we'll talk about them more. Uh, gonna burn through some of these here real quick next two picks you got the bears with darnell Wright, offensive lineman out of tennessee makes sense you need an offense you need an offensive line justin fields you've already obviously you didn't draft a quarterback you traded out of the first pick so if you're going to go that direction you need to protect him that makes sense peter skronsky titans same thing uh won't jump ahead too much but obviously they took will levis in the second round in any case doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for you. You got to protect them. Yeah. You need offensive line. So yeah, that's one
1: thing. I mean, on Will Levis now, real quick, that he he definitely kind of fell into that uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of treatment where he wasn't the top couple guys and then just slipped off the map there. And
0: um, it was- yeah, you see it. You see it every <laughs> once in a while that yeah, when there's a run on quarterbacks and he had three in the first four picks. Yeah. If you're not one of them, yeah, there's a lot of teams that were never really intending on drafting a quarterback. Yeah. And so you got to wait until these teams basically cycle back through and sometimes that's late in the first round or sometimes that's early second round and we can talk more about Will Levis here once we get down the draft board a bit, but that's clearly what happened with him. Yeah. Then number 12, the Detroit Lions, they obviously moved out of that pick right behind us and gave it to Arizona. Arguably the strangest pick of the draft.
1: I wouldn't even argue that at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know that anyone well, it might only be rivaled by their next pick in the first round. Fair but uh it seemed like that all came together a little bit more today, which for the record today is Saturday, you yeah. know, last day of the draft. Draft's already over by the time we're recording, but they traded away DeAndre Swift.
1: Yeah. Which is Pretty surprising. I know he struggled with a, some injuries, but the guy's a what Who did they trade him to
0: again? I already forgot.
1: To the Eagles. <laughs> Can you believe
0: that? That's right. <laughs> another Eagles, Georgia
1: player. Another Georgia player that goes to the Eagles, and, another, and they traded, I believe, a seventh and a fifth round pick, something like that. So they, they traded nothing for another guy who was a year or two removed from being a top running back. But in the draft, and is still probably a top talent running back in the NFL. And the Eagles get him for nothing, so these these teams just keep, keep, the, keep Eagles, the Eagles whatever they want, it seems like. Eagles
0: seem like they're going to be ridiculous. Yeah, they're
1: but got, they're, they've got a, a good team here.
0: They get Gibbs. I do like Gibbs. I thought 12 was a little high, especially because they and, probably could have got him with their 18th overall pick by most accounts. You never know, because
1: I think they could have got him in the second round.
0: I still think he was going to be a first... I, I still thought that maybe if the Seahawks were there at 20, cause Ed and bijan has gone, that might be might yeah, be a spot. And I, I don't want to jump the gun. I don't, I don't think, we gun. Ever, we were, I think
1: we were ever going to pick Gibbs just because he's much... He's a like-for-like. Like. Yeah, he's a like-for-like like with Ken Walker. And so I don't know that that would be the pick. But yeah, definitely a strange one. I think they reached a little bit on that they must have really been down on Swift whatever was going on there because like I said
0: it makes more sense today because you trade him yeah you must have been down on him yeah you got David Montgomery you clearly need another running back if you don't if you are planning on getting rid of Swift cuz you can't count on David Montgomery to stay healthy
1: now that all being said that I think it was a reach I do think it's a great fit for the Lions he he's a quick back, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I, I heard I heard one of them say he's an Alvin Kamara type. I, I, he's not quite I don't think he's I don't think he's near nearly has as good a balance as Alvin Kamara does. Like he Alvin Kamara he's like has that Marshawn Lynch vibe that he's just like he comes in he can just like come into a have seven people on his feet and somehow he's perfectly balanced all the time and and dragging people down the field, I don't know that that's Gibbs necessarily, but in the in the fact that he can catch out of the backfield and is is a very effective pass catcher and a very effective and quick runner. Um, I, so I think he'll be, and you have Goff who can't really throw the ball down the field at all. Yeah, so, so you need think, check yes, down, so you city. Need check down, check down guys. So I think that it's a good fit for for the Lions, even though I think they have reached. Mid-down.
0: Okay, so, and then moving on to the next pick here, we got uh, Lucas Van Ness at number 13 to the Green Bay Packers, and a uh, couple couple notes on that. One football related is, he was an interesting one coming into the process, is that the guy had hardly played any football, it just kind of shot up the boards.
1: Yeah, he's only played
0: He, he played one, one season. full season, yeah. one full season as a starter, had a good year. And now he's the 13th overall pick. Good for him more interesting than that is it I think you were the one that actually sent it in uh, In the group text or whatever is his dad Pulling some shots on his girlfriend smacking her ass on live television
1: what is it with these with these uh dads acting out of dude, pocket? Dude, it's don't... these
0: it's these white Midwest dads, dude. They're just seriously, fucking out of pocket. They seriously. it's they're so fucking horned up <laughs> cuz they're in the Midwest <laughs> and just as as the kids say everything's so mid out there and now their kids <laughs> that are and that are living their dreams have these fucking dime piece girls and they're just out here why on live television? Like, yeah. you know, it's like it's like the guy who like commits a crime or whatever, it gets caught. That it's like you know that when you get caught, it's not your first time doing something, right? Yeah, you know he's been doing this for a while. There's no way that the first time you ever decided to slap your girlfriend, your sorry, your son's, son's girlfriend's girlfriend. ass. Yeah was on live television. Yeah. I, you know this is going on behind the scenes. He went
1: with the double tap too. It wasn't yeah, it, was, yeah. like, it wasn't a single he
0: wasn't, tap. He wasn't he wasn't JJ was... McCarthy's dad who's like doing a little like, yeah. well, was, like that he's that doing was a, little a little like air drawing on her ass like a, <laughs> and then a little back like backhand. <laughs> you ha- smack. If you haven't
1: seen this go go get on uh, Insta or YouTube or whatever and Google this. He, you he, Might just he, have to
0: post it to the yeah, Bring <laughs> Your <laughs> Lunch Pale in the
1: post it on the Bring Your Lunch Pale Insta, but yeah Lucas Vanessa's dad just he gives gives the uh, girlfriend a hug and then as she's as she's going away just like two smacks right on the right on the butt yeah
0: there's nothing there's, Dude, there's nothing no, coy about it yeah exactly no, it's like, like it's yeah, it's
1: just it's just blatant, right right out in, right out in the open and, yeah like you said at least jj uh, mccarthy's dad I mean, that one was way, it was awkward because it was just, that one's
0: almost more worse because yeah, you he, might be he's able to, like
1: fiddling around her pocket almost like
0: <laughs> yeah you might but for Lucas Van Vanessa's dad you might be able to get away with the like it was just a football household we're used to like <laughs> yeah, like good game, she
1: good yeah, game,
0: sis, she's yeah. not she's not weirded out by it like yeah exactly like a little smack on the ass like get back in there you know but uh yeah I don't know man, it's all fucked up but. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll have more winners and losers maybe of the draft, <laughs> but I'm putting uh, Lucas Van dad at the top of my losers of the NFL <laughs> draft, because that's... I, I'd love that's to a, be a fly on the wall when <laughs> when they have these family conversations after... Was it uh, was
1: it, uh, Buda Baker? That, yeah, I, I said yeah, that I said that former, tweet. Yeah, former Husky Buda Baker, safety for the Arizona Cardinals, tweeted out that he'd have to check his dad on <laughs> yeah. this. So, yeah, we'll, yeah, also, we'll, I we'll think think put up a poll if uh whether or not you're checking your pops when he when he smacks your <laughs> that's a great butt. that is a great idea <laughs> like thanksgiving dinner like the the wine's been flowing a little bit you're feeling feeling good feeling frisky and then uh dad cops catch, a feel on <laughs> yeah, your girl you, what do you do yeah you you uh
0: is it feats of strength time <laughs> yeah exactly. or is it just bury your head and just let it go
1: yeah i mean lupus van has to be so is i think he'd be whooping his dad's ass
0: he, oh definitely but uh <laughs>
1: If it came down to it, but it's more about you, know, you never know. It's, it's a Midwest, more about maybe it's a Midwest thing, and they're just like they just they throw on uh, it's that
0: Midwest hospitality everyone's talking <laughs> yeah. about.
1: They they throw on some um, what's our what's our favorite song in Michigan,
0: um, Mr. Brightside. Yeah, Mr.,
1: they throw on some Mr. Brightside and like just pass everybody around and everybody's grab ass and having a time.
0: Who you knows? But anyway, <laughs> moving, <laughs> anyways, moving on. <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. That definitely was uh, one of the. Yeah. Highlight of the draft. yeah that was a highlight for sure this next pick uh like i said i'm gonna kind of burn through some of these because the rest of these guys there's a lot of good players in this draft but it definitely kind of gets into the slog of things here pretty quickly but i heard about this broderick jones pick and i think it's interesting with the jets because uh in that same interview with ian Rapoport, i believe maybe i have my nfl insiders kind of mixed up because i've heard a lot of conjecture is that he was kind of saying that like the Jets did not do a good job of like keeping their cards close that it's like everybody knew that the Jets were going to pick Broderick Jones at number 15 they were going to take him obviously at 13 if they could hold on to their first round pick but they do the swap and they move back a couple spots and everybody knew that and so what did the Steelers do they traded with New New England which also kind of makes sense in division Right, like yep. division rivals, like yep. New England's. Like, sure, you want to move up and take the guy that we know the Jets want to take? That's that's yeah, great. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah. Like, just Have let's it. let's work out a trade. Like, it's fine. We'll move back to seventeen. You know, jumping ahead, they got Christian Gonzalez. That's probably who they wanted anyways, and figured he'll. They're already probably feel lucky maybe that he fell that's that far. Pick. That's a
1: good pick for them. Yeah. For the,
0: uh, so yeah. I just think that's that's funny. And to jump ahead a little bit because that was the kind of the same story with. Dalton Kincaid and the Cowboys and the Bills who obviously ended up taking him is that they kind of said everyone knew that the Cowboys wanted Dalton Kincaid they needed a tight end because Dalton Schultz is with the Texans now right? Yeah. yeah. so everybody knows that the Cowboys want Dalton Kincaid and they didn't do a good job of kind of concealing that information and so what do the Bills do? they trade right up to the pick right before the Cowboys and they take their guy from them which I think I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, like it's fun. I don't give a shit about any of these teams, so it's kind of funny to see him be miserable. Yeah. So because uh, Will McDonald the fourth, he might be a good player. There's just at least according to Ian Rappaport, and it seems like that's kind of the impression from a lot of the insiders. That's not the guy they wanted. Yeah.
1: They, wanted they
0: didn't want. They didn't want him. They just ended they up just in that nice pick. They plan. ended up in that pick with yeah. without the guy that they wanted. So. I think it's funny and it just seems like it just follows Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, the guy, the guy seems like he's always pissed at who the Packers would draft. It won't get him a weapon, they'll draft Jordan Love instead when they need when they need other players. And he moves to the Jets and what do they do? They draft another defensive lineman when they have one of the better defensive lines in all of football. They don't need another, you know, front seven type guy. It's nice to have, obviously, but I'm sure he would have loved an offensive lineman or another, there's really no other running back to be taken there at 15, but I'm sure he could have used another running back since Brees Hall's coming off an injury and they don't have much depth there. I'm sure he would have loved another wide receiver or a tight end. <laughs> Anything. Anything other than another <laughs> front seven defensive like, player, like what, what they already have. So <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. It's always fun to see, you know, teams just kind of suffer, so... I thought that was cool. Uh, moving through the draft, yeah. Then you see a couple cornerbacks come off the board. That Forbes guy, I'm interested to see what he can do.
1: Yeah, he remember, good. I,
0: he he's hundred and sixty pounds.
1: Yeah, he's tiny, but,
0: but he, he is, had he is, had yeah. six pick sixes. Yeah,
1: yeah, he had six like he's
0: clearly get he's a gifted. He's he's a they said oh, it when he got picked. Yeah. He's a riverboat Ron. That's the type of guy. He's a gambling man. Like yeah. he's gonna he's gonna try to gamble and make big plays and he will, and he'll probably get burned sometimes too.
1: Yeah, kind of like
0: digs. Yeah, like yeah. you got you kind of have yeah. to weigh kind of have to weigh your options and, you know, you're gonna make big plays, but you're also gonna give up big plays. So I thought that was an interesting one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and then, less yeah, Christian Gonzalez. I don't got much to say about him. He's from Oregon. We don't Oregon care. He's gonna be a good player. He'll probably be a good player, but <laughs> He's, I don't care. He
1: also played. He also played at Colorado before that. So yeah, he was a we do like Colorado, player. but we like Colorado, and he was he was a really good player at Colorado before Oregon. Um, but what really stands out to me with Christian Gonzalez is that. Uh, Jalen McMillan ripped a uh, interception from his hands last season because Christian Gonzalez is a bum and he's from Oregon. There he is That's Oregon. right. So um, soft. Yeah, soft. He's trash, and uh, but it, he's going to be a good player for the Pats.
0: Yeah, and so and then so then moving on as we kind of teased before, the Lions going with two of the most head scratching picks. At least we can go into this more maybe a little bit later, but you know they always hand out these draft grades. And it's all based off of what people who aren't GMs and part of the actual teams drafting decide who like who is good and who is not and where they're gonna go. So then when they don't go where they project him to go, then it's either a good pick or a bad pick. Yeah. When it's like most of the time the guys get where they get picked in the draft is where the other teams had him going. Yeah. You just didn't know that because you're not part of these organizations. Yeah. So, there's a little bit of that, but he took Jack Campbell who by most people's account was the best interior linebacker in the draft and he looks like a monster. Yeah, he, he's a big guy. He
1: definitely is a big guy. And
0: it makes sense with what? Dan 6'5,
1: 249.
0: Big guy. Yeah, big guy. Looks more like a classic ear. Looks
1: more like an edge type of
0: dude. I'd say so he looks more like your vintage interior backer that's just like just a big dude that's mean and hits people. I think he's going to fit in well there.
1: Yeah. It's just I kind mean, of a I,
0: head-scratching pick at 18 after, you know, like they always say. Is I it, think
1: Dan Campbell has a has a type of guys that he is going for. And, and, and he got two it, of them. He, yeah. Especially this Jack Campbell guy seems like he's a, he's a, a uh, he's just a pick from the head coach there and just one.
0: Yeah. It's like, like I said,
1: same last name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But Maybe it's just, I, I guess a lot of it just kind of comes down to as well that it's like in today's day and age, interior backer and running back are two of the most devalued positions in terms of draft picks. And you went ahead and used the 12th and 18th overall pick to go get those guys. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, if they end up being they, yeah, it's like great like players, the, then no one's going to yeah. have
1: a 10 year career with. With the Lions, and then he's a top linebacker. Then no one's going to be complaining about it. So, it you know, time will tell. I think the guy's going to be a good backer. So it's just a little strange. You probably again reached a bit to get
0: him. So moving on, here's the real pick that been wanting to get to, and I'll just let you. I'll let you go ahead and start on this one because obviously we could hit the way back machine again.
1: If, if the Seahawks are taking Jalen Carter then this doesn't this doesn't come into play but if they don't take him then I'm gonna sorry, Kansi. Then I'm gonna go with Kalaja Kansi. <laughs> because it, ne, it, next best interior d lineman huge need obviously, I like it for the team so I say he's, take both of them <laughs> why not <laughs> so we're at pick 19 one before the Seahawks and this pick we're, we're at this point and I am Pretty much uh, guaranteeing in my mind that uh, this guy is going to be a Seahawk at this point. Uh, Kalijah Cansey goes to Tampa Bay Bucs, and man, I was disappointed when that one when that one came up. He's I think he's going to be a, a, a stud interior D line. He falls
0: into a great spot too. He's he going to yeah, gonna be next to Vita Vea. Going to be
1: next to Vita Vea. That D line is going to and Joe Tryon. They, they're they've got do they still have Shack Barrett too there. I think so. so they, they
0: don't have Sue anymore, which I'm have, assuming yeah. is why they yeah, picked is because Kansi. yeah. outside of Vita Bay, I don't know that they have interior D-linemen yeah. it's, like they did in the, in the years past. Oh, they, the, they, oh, wait, they have great games.
1: Oh, yeah, they have great games now, too. <laughs> yeah, wow. God yeah, damn. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, this guy is... Especially, gear. he's
0: versatile though because yeah. he's like 280 pound. Right? Yeah, he's a,
1: he's a little more of a quick back or quick interior guy and going to be more of a pass rush type. Which, when you have in throughout college, Kalijanzi is probably double teamed every single play, and now he's going to have Vita Vea to eat two and sometimes three linemen because Vita Vea is a monster. If anyone, if any of you don't know, former Husky was a top. 10, 12 pick or so. Yeah, I think he was somewhere 11 around.
0: or maybe he was 8. Yeah. He's right in that like yeah, 8 to 12 right, range. 12 I, can't. I think he was top 10. I think he was 8. A
1: few years ago. And he's all he's done is, you know, go be the best nose tackle slash interior D lineman in the NFL for the last few years. And so put Kalijah Cansey next to him and you're going to have a pretty formidable interior D line over there at Tampa Bay. Now, who's their quarterback and what the rest of their team's gonna look like. That's gonna be another story. But um I was very bummed for this uh for this pick because I thought it was going to fall into the Seahawks lap, but instead um he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and will be next to our guys Greg Gaines and and Vita Vea at Go Dogs.
0: Good good company. Vita Vea was twelve overall so, twelve, yeah. so said eight to twelve. Ding Yeah, <laughs> so he was twelve, but well, so then we'll, we'll move into the Seahawks pick, but I just want to say one thing, more overarching thing, is that, yeah, with that Kalijah Kansi pick, is is that I really feel like, I don't want to jump to the end quite yet, but I really feel like the Seahawks, I think they had a great first round.
1: Yeah.
0: It really feels like, in my mind, though, that both of the guys they picked, they wanted the guy who got picked right before him. Yeah. I think they wanted Anthony Richardson at five and then he gets picked. So they go with their next best available and they're not mad about it. I'm sure they're not mad about it, that because if they really wanted AR 15, they would have traded up because they had the ability to do it if they wanted to. So like, I think they're okay with it, but the guy that you wanted probably got picked one before. And then I feel the exact same way at 20 is that I think they wanted Kalijah Kansi and he got picked. 1v4. So then again, they went next best available and they went Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think it's a great pick. Great pick. I think yeah. it's a great pick. Definitely,
1: definitely in need for the Seahawks. We haven't had three receivers in, I don't know, probably since Hasselback was there when you had.
0: I mean, I guess it depends. You know, at one point you had what? Sydney Rice, Jermaine Curse, was he there? Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it wasn't. I'm trying to. I'm trying to put together the. the... You had Doug
1: Baldwin, Jermaine Curse, and Sydney Rice, right, all together.
0: Yeah. Oh, you had you had Tyler Lockett too, right after Locker. the Super. After, right, because wasn't Lockett's rookie year though? It wasn't that our second Super Bowl run. And you had
1: Golden Tate in there too. So you you had three receivers at that But even either way, the last
0: few years. Were Jermaine curse apologist, but I would hardly call him a, Jermaine Curse was
1: a big time player. Like he made yeah, I would hardly players. call
0: him though, at least if we're gonna compare it now to Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf, and Tyler, and Tyler Lockett, like he's doesn't bring as much cachet as any one of those guys. No. But I think it's a great pick and You know, it's like, we've kind of joked about this before that, at least with the quarterbacks, that, you know, every time draft comes around, it's always like, but next year is the year. Yeah. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba was, and they're kind of saying that that about receivers this year, that it's like, next year is a great year for wide receivers. You got Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't even remember who else, but, you know, like, next year is the year. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba was the guy that, after that Rose Bowl against Utah, that he they're like, well if he could come out right now, he might go ahead of Chris Olave or Garrett, and Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Yeah. He, like he might fall right in there and he like
1: had, He had sixteen hundred yards that year. With with two other guys that probably had over a thousand yards as yeah. well. I don't know what the what the other dude's numbers were, but sixteen sixteen hundred yards and nine touchdowns in twenty twenty one. Uh ninety-five receptions. So the guy the guy is and I think the the most crucial part of his game is that he's a good interior receiver and he can be he can play on the outside as well like he's he can go either he can way. do it all it's kind of it's kind of, i heard them say that like it's kind of like their cooper cup pick like he's different than cooper cup in a lot of ways but he's that versatile guy that can like i heard he can play on the outside he can go into the slot and he's just as effective in either one
0: i heard the player comp that somebody said was uh Keenan allen yeah which i yeah. feel like is a good one because much like I was saying with uh, Reek Wollen and Devin Witherspoon is having kind of opposites, is that won't go too far into DK Metcalf, but have issues with the guy at times because he doesn't catch with his hands, and he ends up not catching balls that you feel like superstar receivers that make over $20 million a year should get because he's just a big-bodied receiver that relies on catching with his body all the time. Yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba has great hands. Yeah. And that and so, like, when I heard the Keenan Allen comparison I, and watched a lot of Keenan Allen when he was in college, too, at Cal,
1: yeah, and then in the way. NFL,
0: is it, like, the guy's a good route runner and he's got great hands. Yeah. Like, so he can actually go pluck balls out of the air and he's, you know, you would like to think that he's going to come into the league and he's going to make good catches. Yeah. He, he doesn't need to have the ball on the numbers to make a catch. And We'll see what he we'll see how his game transitions to the NFL. But yeah, at Ohio State, the guy is just constantly open and he's making great catches away from his body. And then I don't think anyone's gonna be blown away by his speed necessarily. I don't know what his forty time was. But I'm not sure either, but <laughs> but the guy the guy's just a bunch like Keenan Allen, he's not gonna blow you away in in, in the in and like, like yeah, combine partner, numbers and like yeah. in the weight room, he's not going to blow you he's away. Not, he's,
1: he's, not a DK he's a gamer. Sure. Yeah, like he's
0: not, he a gamer. Like the guy just shows up and yeah.
1: He's just a. He's,
0: just a, gamer. he's a pure receiver, I also,
1: and I think he's great.
0: I think he's going to be great for the Seahawks.
1: I also heard Dave Lyman talking about him, former former linebacker in the NFL, talking a bit about it that he has like an unconventional like running style a little bit and like ha- like how he how he runs and he was just talking about that. Like, as a player, it was always really hard because it's like it looks different than other guys, and so you just it's that Geiger effect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Todd Geiger (laughs) effect. effect. It's It's hard to defend something when you don't understand it exactly.
1: You don't know it, you don't know what's going on, like, because it doesn't look the same as it's unconventional.
0: So, you it's hard to put your conventional wisdom
1: exactly into
0: practice against a guy who's a little unconventional, exactly.
1: And so, I'm excited. I again, not uh. Wasn't my number one, um, number one like need for the for the Seahawks. I don't. Think. Well, like you said, I really but, feel like we co- do need one. We do need him. It. it just isn't just because it's not the number one need doesn't mean it wasn't a big need for the Seahawks. And especially with the new offense that we're that we run now, like we need some guys that can catch the ball across the middle. That's been a huge huge hole for the for the Seahawks. as we have great exterior guys like that can burn down the sideline basically
0: since Doug Baldwin left yeah you don't have that guy who just has reliable hands Yeah, that's that could make those seven
1: yard those
0: steady over catches the over the middle exactly. like Tyler Lockett's great but
1: Tyler Lockett also has been making business decisions for the last 2 years every time he catches the ball there's no no yardage yeah, he just goes back. down It just he goes straight down immediately and like the the best the best ability is availability, as we've said before, and so Tyler Lockett does a good job of that late in his career now, that he stays healthy by not taking big hits and like getting down and he's when he is across the middle. Yeah, I'm like, not upset he's, about he's those He's linebackers and, th- and things that can hit him like, He's not going to break tackles, so yeah. it makes so, sense. So I, I totally get it. I'm not upset by it, but it'll be nice to have, have a Jackson Smith and Jigba who is going to be able to catch those same routes and do a lot more with it, I think, after the catch. So, a huge pickup. I I think it's going to be very beneficial for the Seahawks to have this for their offense. And, um, yeah, I mean, the guy's a stud. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we
0: talked about this in the last pod. You're the one who had brought it up. I hadn't heard it until you said it, that uh, John Schneider was just more like, we think we're at our best in the draft when we just pick best available. And that's what it really feels like. Like I said, I really think they would have taken Cansey at 20 if he's there. But he wasn't, and honestly, like looking at the guys who get picked later, like Miles Murphy and Breesey, the two guys out of Clemson, I, they might end up being really good, and we might regret not picking one of those guys, but they, they, they have their question the marks. Think, yeah. They yeah. have their question marks, and so you went out and you got, at least by the Seahawks standards, but I would tend to agree, and we can buzz through the other guys, I think he was the best receiver in this draft. Yeah. And so you you got the best available, might not be the number one position of need, Like, I do think that there is something to be said that he's going to be the third receiver on your team. So is that the position that you want to fill with the 20th overall pick when you have other glaring needs? Probably not. But at least for talent available at that stage in the draft, I think he was the most talented player available. And so you got him. I said, I think this guy would have been, if he played this last year and didn't sit out most of the year and... That'd be the one knock, is that, I think you said it too, is that he was cleared to play for the playoff game yeah, and chose does. not to. So that's a little bit of a question mark, and it's probably why he slipped to 20 and not top 10 or top, 10 or top yeah. 15, because like said, by all accounts, after that Rose Bowl game against Utah, I think a lot of people thought that he might be one of the top receivers off the board in last draft if he could have went. He's only a sophomore, so he couldn't go, but...
1: yeah, and- just to wrap this up I, I think the big positive to take away from the seahawks first round is that you got the consensus i would say from any of the, any of the quote unquote draft experts you got the best or at least the majority of draft experts you got the best cornerback and the best receiver like number that's one that's a win yeah number that's one a quarterback or cornerback number one receiver like anytime you can do that i think you're in You're in a good, good place. You're
0: picking, you're picking best available, and you're you're not. And we can go more into this. I do want to skip ahead in the draft and get more into the Seahawks specific picks. But when when you have when you have a chance to just go ahead, don't overthink these picks. Just pick the best guys. Yep. Like your team will, your team will fill out pretty organically when you just get the best players. Yep. Regardless of position. Because you always need more guys at all positions. This is the NFL. Like, yeah. you can't you can't have one deep. You can't be one deep at any position. So, yeah, I I, I thought it was a good pick. It, it. I think they were both a little surprising because obviously we talked a lot about the draft, and I did say I thought we were going to pick a corner at twenty. We ended up going fifth, so that was a little surprising because we went with the fifth instead of the twentieth. But it wasn't a position that I thought that we weren't going to get. And same can be said about wide receiver. I didn't think we are going to get one at 20, but we definitely were going to have to use okay, an I earlier think, pick yeah, to yeah. get a receiver because we need one. Yeah. So might not have been, obviously, interior D-line is probably the position that we needed most to address, but you addressed positions that you needed, and you got, like you said, the number one corner and the number one wide receiver by most people's estimations. So I'd call that a big win.
1: And then, so after Jackson Smith and was picked, we the run on wide receiver starts at that point, and everyone's like, "Oh, now it's time." Yeah. And so then you have Quentin Johnston from TCU goes to the Chargers. Zay Flowers uh, from Boston College goes to the Ravens, and Jordan Addison from USC. And before that, the Belinikoff winner at uh, Pitt goes to the Vikings. So kind of started the run. On I
0: still the- like. I still like Jackson Smith oh, and Jake. Blatt. All those guys, yeah. I like Jordan Addison, too, and I think he's going to fit in nicely with the Vikings. Yeah, I think I think in one of the earlier podcasts, I'd said Smith and Jigba and, and Jordan Addison were two guys, that, at least for fantasy implications, that would be guys that I would instantly think are going to come in. And based on the teams they landed on, I think they're in good spots. I don't know if Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a huge fantasy player year one. We'll see, because they That's still good. think... I said, don't want to don't wanna to jump too far ahead, but the Seahawks really look like they're gonna be a run first team this year, more than they have been in years past. So a third wide receiver might not put up the splashy fantasy numbers that some might want, but I think he's gonna be an effective player.
1: And I think he has a good chance of being the second second target guy on that team. Yeah,
0: Lockett might slide he back a might, little he bit. He could
1: honestly be the number one target, like, for targets. I could see that pretty easily. Just because I think Lockett takes a step back in general just because he's a year older and DK DK doesn't always get the targets because he's he's a superstar and he gets double covered and and he's covered over the top and isn't as much of a his
0: separation isn't always that great yeah
1: see I could see him Jackson Smith and Jacob being the getting the most targets on the team just because he's gonna be running those underneath routes I think a little more and so we'll see we'll see on that but
0: so I want to skip ahead to basically the only other person I want to talk about in this first round, and then we'll just get into the rest of the Seahawks picks because a lot of these other guys we've kind of mentioned a little bit, and they just don't really move the needle. But then Nolan Smith going to 30. <laughs> this is uh, and, and the Eagles, again, going Georgia.
1: Yeah, Eagles get Nolan Smith, the edge rusher. I talked about him the last couple of weeks as a guy that I wanted to see in Seahawks uniform, I thought that... Uh, he thought would, there was a good chance we would take him we instead of Njigba. Yeah, I thought we'd take him instead of Njigba, but instead, once again, the Eagles pick a Georgia Bulldog, and I I said in the last podcast, I feel like he's going to be, maybe not the best, because I think Will Anderson will be, but I think he's going to be a star in the league. And I think especially I his think,
0: where he's at, landing on... Team that was just in the Super Bowl with all of this talent up front, he's going to be just cherry picked into situations to succeed. Yeah, because he is a little undersized. But like he's a speed guy. He's two hundred and thirty seven pounds, something like yeah, that. Something like that. I mean, I don't know if we talked about this specifically on the on the podcast before, but like he's the on like DK was like number two on this list, but you know he's over 230 pounds and running a sub 4 440 he he's like 4
1: 3
0: yeah he ran a 4 3 at 237 238 pounds something like that also had like a 40 inch vertical like the, yeah, dudes, the dude's a dude's free an and i do an think he, he could easily be one of those guys if he went somewhere else that it's just like kind of your Dion jordan or dante fowler type that's come out in recent years those both top five picks but guys that are just like these super speed DNs that are kind of raw products, and then they kind of fizzle out pretty quickly. I don't think he's going to have that problem with the Eagles because he's just going to be on a good team with the talent around him to just excel.
1: Yeah, the, the that was the the one takeaway from the from day one of the draft was everyone. Everyone liked the Seahawks picks. I feel like everyone kind of had the Seahawks in there as as one of the top teams. But everyone was talking about the Eagles, and I thought it was funny because in the last podcast, I who did I say we should? this Seahawks should pick at five and twenty. It was it was uh, Jalen Carter, Carter and, and Nolan Smith, Smith, and both those guys were passed on by the Seahawks. And pretty much every single analyst was like. You know who had the best draft? It was the Eagles picking Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, the two guys that I said the Seahawks should pick. So I, I'm happy with the Seahawks pick overall, but I think it's funny. And I just, I just know those guys are going to be good. And the Eagles already have such a, such a good D-line that – I just can't even fathom. It's an embarrassment having, of riches. Yeah, exactly. I can't even fathom having that many guys. Who's going to, how are they all going to make plays? There's just too many of them to
0: make plays. Well, I mean, they had over 70 sacks last year, and that all that did was get them right to the Super Bowl. So yeah. I don't think they're worried about who's going to make the plays, because the answer is all of them. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's everybody, a team effort. Yeah, everybody eats on that team. And
0: like, I guess that's kind of the, the larger question then, too, is it's just like, who had of who had a better first round, or whose first round would you rather have, the Seahawks or the Eagles?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good question. I
0: because obviously, this, like you just said, the Seahawks could have both, both of those picks. I'm both of those picks, the Eagles didn't inhibit us from getting those guys. No, both guys that we passed on, and they took. And you know, it seems like a lot of people are kind of like the Eagles had arguably a better first round.
1: Yeah, and I think part of that is because those guys were graded up a little bit. Higher, and so the Eagles take them a few picks after the Seahawks in each of those scenarios. So it's value, quote unquote. Right, like yeah. I said before, is it it's
0: the the draft experts have assigned this value to them. Exactly. So then when they fall later than the value that they have assigned, then now it's like that was a great pick yeah. when in reality, you know, tw- there's a few double picks here, but you know, roughly 27 other teams passed on Nolan Smith. So he probably went right where he was always going to go. Yeah. Just about every team who had a first-round pick had a chance. Other than the Kansas City Chiefs, every team that had a first-round pick had a chance to draft Nolan Smith, and they chose not to.
1: Yeah, and I guess time will tell, but I, I just think it's uh, that Eagles team is going to be ridiculous this year. I think they're going to be tough to beat. And uh, yeah, As long as Jalen
0: Hurts is healthy, it seems like they're poised to go back to the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I would think so. Uh, they, because I, I can't help but agree with the so-called experts that I think the those two picks are probably the best <laughs> because that's what I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, but we'll see. It's going to be that'll be interesting for sure to see how the how the spoil of riches for. Or uh, the Eagles goes coming up here in the next year.
0: I think we're ready to move into just the Seahawks picks for the rest of the draft. Like, there's some interesting picks that happen, obviously, throughout the rest of the draft for other teams. But at this point, we've already gone over an hour. So I'm not really too concerned about talking about what other teams did. So we'll just get right into the first selection for the Seahawks in the second round, which is Derek Hall, defensive end slash outside linebacker. Out of Auburn, and why don't you go ahead and start the conversation on that?
1: Uh, first thing to note of this guy, uh, he kind of looks like Cam Chancellor, which I like.
0: Yeah, I've only <laughs> seen the one photo. That's like what <laughs> yeah. they have on. Kind of looks like Sports. Cam Chancellor
1: with a goatee, like <laughs> a little passion. He's Got but, a big head. Yeah, big head. Yeah, we love that. Uh, but he is a linebacker, D end type. Um, I think the the big things to note with him is that he is a he was team captain for one.
0: As voted on by his teammates. Yeah. Which is usually how it goes, but
1: three year starter as an edge rusher at Auburn. Um he let's see, he was first team all SEC. Um so th- And if you
0: don't know, it just means more in the SEC. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Just means more. So I I think it's a I I mean it gets to what the theme of the rest of this draft is really going to be, which is that we're, the Seahawks finally started to uh, to knock off some of the needs at D line and interior offensive yes. line after this, and so this is the first step in that process. And I, you know, I hoped and thought that that was going to happen a little bit earlier on in the draft for the Seahawks, and they were going to address that early. But I'm happy that they got the picks that they did, and this guy, he just seems like a dude. Like, I, he just is. He's a he's a big dude, and from all I I heard an interview with his with his former coach. They had him on on the radio, his D line coach at Auburn, that is now the the D coordinator at FAU, and the guy basically basically said he's he's the greatest the greatest player I've ever coached, like in the in pretty much like. I know that's you know a lot of times you hear that and that's lip service and and co- it's coach speak that everyone's the greatest player but he's like this is, this guy is the greatest guy I've ever coached he, like very coachable does whatever you want like team leader everything you could ever want in in a player and so couldn't be more excited for that you know if if he's if he's half of that what this coach is talking about then I think it's going to be a great thing for the Seahawks and I don't know that he's you know, I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to be picking up twenty sacks in a season for us. No, but it doesn't just, seem like that. He's, he seems like he's more of the the Chris Clements type that he's like edge setter, and he can he can be you know he'll he'll find his way in the backfield on occasion and cause pressures. But really, his his bread and butter is going to be that he's just he's just you know like run stopper and and maybe pressure guy where he's getting pressure through the middle and he does have some some pass rush moves he's also versatile from what it sounds like he he,
0: they i say that's what i kind of heard at least in his his first inter or his first interview with the seattle press corps is just like yeah he's played he's played just some quintessential dn pass rushing stuff He's been an edge setting DN. He's also played some stand up linebacker. Yeah. They also pl- had him play some Mike linebacker every once in a while. Yeah, I think you'd said this before. I think that was a lot more with him blitzing as yeah. a linebacker. So not really like a, yeah. not really a backer backer, but yeah, he's got he's got the kind of frame and athleticism that, and he has reps at different spots. That again, it just seems like a common theme of where the Seahawks have been going. And the NFL in general, yeah. you got to be versatile. You versatile. can't just be a one-trick pony. And this guy seems like he kind of fits that bill. That like, yeah, he's gonna be, he's gonna have multiple roles that he can fill. And more than anything, I don't want to switch to gears too much on on him. But I don't have a lot of X's and O's on him, to be honest. I do think, and we can talk about this more as it's like, it, it's refreshing that they're getting back to basics. And it's like. He's a first-team All-SEC, defensive end, team captain. played on a good team. Like, sounds like he's probably a pretty good player. Watched minimal highlights on him. Don't need to. What I like is that hearing his interview that he did, he seems like a guy that's going to be not only great for the culture in the locker room and a good teammate, the guy seems like he's going to be a fan favorite, especially if he can go out and make plays he is an interesting dude lunch pail guy he's yeah he's looking like a first team all lunch pail guy <laughs> like he likes he likes to work on trucks i think he said you know his yep. pride and joy is a 2014 ram 1500 that he's like done a lot of work and like lifted and like he does the stuff himself and likes to tinker with it he likes to fish I think he said he's only been deer hunting but he likes to hunt like he ran track in high school and played basketball. Like
1: multi-sport athlete. Yeah, like just kind of, yeah. yeah,
0: just kind of. Yeah, just kind of an interesting dude that like seems really genuine. And then, like I said, sounds like he's a good leader. Yeah. And so, like these are all the types of things that I think with Pete Carroll and company kind of like rounding out this team. They're young, like they've gotten younger, obviously, in the draft the couple last couple of years. You need guys that are going to set the tone, and he just he really feels like he's going to be an easy guy to root for. Yeah. Like you know, like not to track back too much, but it's just like Jalen Carter, talented player. Based off of the things that have come out recently, doesn't sound like the type of guy necessarily that tons of people are going to root for. And based off of what How you're saying you're
1: about in the locker room, not building the culture, not.
0: exactly. And yeah. this really feels like a culture pick, and the type of guy that like is he going to be a seven time Pro Bowler? Maybe I guess that's for him to decide, yeah. realistically. But he definitely seems like the type of Much like you just said Chris Clemens, the type of guy that's a tone setter and like Mm -hmm. the type of guy that hopefully can really build up this team from just not just not just a stats perspective, but like be that type of guy that's like, yeah, that's one of the leaders on the defense. Like everybody looks to him. He could be a vocal leader, he could also just be a guy who leads by example, he's gonna do it all. And so I'm really excited about him. I didn't know anything about him until we picked him. Yes, like I said, I'm basically basing most of my opinion on him on the phone interview that he did right after he got picked. I I think, I think Seahawks fans are gonna find out real quick. This is a guy that you could really root for. Just a good dude.
1: That interview that I heard with his coach too. He his coach actually did say because they're like, "What do you want? Or what do we need to know about him?" He's like, he and he actually said. This guy's gonna show up and bring his lunch pail to work. He actually said that on on there. And I I was driving in the car. And I'm like, ding. <laughs> yeah. This guy we need that. A, we need that yeah, sound bite. Guy, yeah, I know. I was gonna say we need to try to find that that sound bite on him because yeah, it's it, it was really it really felt like it was a, a match made in heaven for for this program right here. That he's he's our new guy. We're, we're the ultimate Derek Hall stands over here. So
0: I also saw from some of his highlights. I have no idea if this was from this past year or you know his junior or sophomore year. He's wearing number twenty nine as an edge <laughs> as an, rusher, which edge. we always love guys that have kind of odd numbers. Oh, yeah. Don't know a lot of players that have worn number twenty nine. Well, you know, in the NFL, you couldn't wear that number as a defensive lineman until.
1: Last year, or this year, yeah, this last
0: year? year. I think it was
1: last year, maybe.
0: Regardless, is it yeah newer thing? Get
1: him in the number zero. Let's go.
0: No, I like the twenty nine. I hope he keeps it, just because, like, even at even at the college level, I couldn't tell you a single player that wears number twenty nine.
1: I wonder if there's ever
0: outside of maybe now. a running back, you know, like running that's more that's traditionally more of a running back number. Yeah, but yeah. So, I, that was, like I said, I don't have a lot of X's and O's, and, you know, I'm not an NFL scout or anything, so it wouldn't even matter if I had a bunch of, if I watched a bunch of tape, it could try to tell you something, because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. All I know are the things that I do know, and sounds like a good dude, and he's got a cool number wearing it. <laughs> and That's <coughs> the things that
1: we care about most on this program.
0: Exactly. Cool dudes. <laughs> cool dudes, and I think Derek Hall definitely is, field, I think he's going to fit field in. Guy. Yeah, can't he's going to fit in great. Can't wait to hear more about him. Speaking of guys who are going to fit in great, because I know, I know you were big on this, and then once it happened, now we're really big. Zach Charbonnet.
1: Who, baby. Yeah. Mentioned him a couple weeks ago on the on the pod as a guy to look for. His second, third round type of guy for the Seahawks. And sure enough, with the second pick in the second round, Seahawks got Zach Charbonnet. Um uh, he, you guys are gonna like him. I, I know that there's a lot of people that that think we just drafted a running back in the second round last year. This is a horrible pick. You couldn't be more wrong. That for one, as we mentioned last week, there are there's one other, there's two running backs on the depth chart right now for the Seahawks in Ken Walker and um, DJ Dallas. And DJ Dallas is hardly a two. It was
0: a it was a big position of need. Yeah, they had to draft a running back in this draft.
1: Yeah. And Zach Charbonnet is a bonafide dude. He is, he is. Uh, let's see. Last year he he had sixteen hundred and eighty total yards from scrimmage, thirteen hundred and thirty four yards from scrimmage the year before. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a beast. You're he's
0: gonna... they have him. I think six one two twenty, and he ran a four five forty. Yeah, exactly. Like, and he's, I he's no burner by any- the four five. Honestly, is faster than I would have guest Going into it because yeah. he's a big guy, but yeah, but, but he can he, still score. He he's can, got he pop. Yeah, big,
1: he has big play potential. He hell he had big play potential against the Huskies uh, multiple times in the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so he's he is a he is a really good running back, and I think he's the perfect complement to Ken Walker. I mean, we said this a long had the and the thunder. Exactly, we said that fashion. a long
0: time ago. You mm-hmm. want to get that lightning and thunder, and he's definitely. I think he's gonna slot in right away. Like we said before, Ken Walker, we love the guy. He's not a third and one back. No. No. He's a little he's a little boom or bust, and I'm sure he'll work on that this year. Like he was a rookie last year. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of what the coaches are gonna tell him in the offseason is like, Look, we know that you have big playability, but when it's third and one and we need it when it's third and one and we're on our side of the field, we don't need thirty yards. We need one yard. We need to move the chains and he'll get better at that. Yeah. But Charbonnet should come in day one and be that type of guy. Honestly, I just love the versatility, too. You could put both of them in the backfield. You know this. We haven't said this on the podcast. The Huskies have done this in years past, especially that was a Sarp special. Put Charbonnet in at fullback and put Ken Walker as the running back in an I-form, and then you have options to try to go toss out wide to Ken Walker or just that fullback dive. either way like that's that's a whole other thing but you have a guy now who can definitely move the chains on short yardage but he's a lot more than that
1: yeah he's he's i mean for one any any arm tackle he's running through that guarantee like the guy's the guy is powerful he's strong um and oh that was the other that was the other note good pass blocker is as well so he he should be you know he can kind of do it all and and he's he runs with great balance, like kind of what we were talking about earlier with the uh, Alvin Kamara example and Marshawn Lynch example. He's kind of more in that vein that he's not necessarily the fastest guy on the planet, but he's very a very balanced runner. And so you guys are going to like him. He, and and also with the Seahawks, what the Seahawks want to do is run the ball. And if the Seahawks yeah. are going to be a good team, we're going to have to run the ball. And I think I think I heard the the number that floats around is that the Seahawks want to run the ball around 400 to 450 times per season is what they're shooting for and Ken Walker wasn't going to be able to deliver 400 carries for you so now oh, you this have, is modern day NFL exactly. so you so have to between, have two guys between the two guys now you have two elite running backs you have and you have an elite wide receiver core and you have a young and pretty talented up and coming o line as well at least tackles and you've got some some more pieces that we're going to talk about that were drafted here, as well. So man, Seahawks offense could be could be exciting in the coming years here. Yeah,
0: and I'll just round this out, and we'll we're going to kind of lump in the rest of the Seahawks picks. We've already gone a long time, so I don't want to go too too long with these guys, especially because just full disclosure, watch a lot of college football. I know about these guys a little bit. Don't know enough to go fully in depth. Definitely not compared to. Jackson Smith and Jigbo who I've watched a lot so I have more to say about him but uh then we went in the seventh round we went with McIntosh yeah out of Georgia yeah and that's just another guy that's like I think that's a great pick too because like you said before running back is a huge position of need and you get a guy who's a two-time national champion with Georgia big-time player like and you know they're talking about this on the radio and I could not agree more Sometimes. Sometimes you see with these guys at big programs like this, untapped potential.
1: Yeah, he just never got the the touches. There's the- just
0: so many good guys coming through, yeah. and a lot of tread on the tires and untapped potential. They're like, guy goes in the seventh round. I, there could be a lot of scenarios here. He might end up being a nobody, but he could also be your Isaiah Pacheco type. That it's like, well, he didn't really go under the radar at Georgia. But he obviously went under the radar in the draft process yeah and you know i think they said he ran like a four six forty as a 205 pound running back so that's not going to move the needle for anybody no but he's clearly a proven player and, and he, he can, can catch he can catch the ball, he yeah. catch the he ball. Catch the he's ball. gonna have to be a special teamer he's got good size though you know he's another guy who's about I, six I, foot 205
1: i think he had a couple of of uh, receiving touchdowns in those games late in the season for Georgia where like Stetson Bennett threw it to him out of the backfield and he had a couple big plays down the year or down at the end of the year for them. So I he's obviously I, I love the picks so though. We need it
0: yeah. we needed running backs and I like and again, the the general theme of what the Seahawks have done the last two years in the draft that has been so exciting is that in years past, and maybe some of this is hyperbole, but they just get these like project guys, you know, you get the guy out of Texas Southern AM Waverly baby home that it's like, well, this guy, this guy, a couple of years ago, you know, he was playing basketball and running track, which I, mean, I guess I just said that about Derek Hall or whatever, that was in high school. It was like, you know, and now he's new to football, but like you love the potential and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to, he played defensive end and or tight end in college. And now we're going to make him a DN. And it's like, No, just get an established player. Georgia, you're at a big program. You've been at the highest stage or like the highest level and you've made it to the biggest stage. Like the guy's ready to be a pro. Yeah. And I like that about him. So I think they did a good job rounding out the running back spot.
1: Agreed, agreed.
0: And so then moving forward, let's just lump the other two guys, different rounds. But then in the fourth round, they go with Anthony Bradford out of LSU, guard, 6'4, 332 pounds. And then you got, by all accounts, I, I gotta I gotta get his name in front of me because I know I'm gonna butcher it. But we got we got the center out of Michigan.
1: Olu
0: Uluwatimi. Yeah. Uluwatimi. But by a lot of accounts, I think a lot of people said one of the you know, center's kind of an odd position. Because they're not they the good ones obviously have really high draft grades, but then there's kind of a slog of people. But a lot of people liked him a lot as as a center prospect. We got him in the fifth round. Yeah, but again, Michigan Fournier
1: starter at Michigan. Yeah,
0: yeah, Michigan. He's been in the college football playoff each of the last two years. Big time program, big time player. I'm sure. Big he time likes,
1: running the ball program too. So yeah, you you know he's you know he's a capable run blocker because. That's all that Michigan does this year. They passed the ball a little bit more with JJ McCarthy, but uh, still, they're they're a run run first team, and so six three three oh nine, right? Yeah, definitely a a a big position of need. I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, starting for us come come September.
0: I mean, I see Jim Nagy who runs the the uh, Senior Bowl
1: Mm -hmm. said he was like the most underrated
0: blue teams away in combine interviews. Mm -hmm. which again like i said none of that's that shocking because like you would hope that when you go to a program like michigan and you have tons of resources these guys are prepared to go play in the nfl and so then that's the second point he'll start for somebody as a rookie
1: yeah
0: is at least what jim nagy says if you if you if you take his word you know but nagy's been around he runs the senior bowl you see these guys you know the the upperclassmen every year you get a pretty good sense of like what kind of players are coming out, you know, that aren't the, that aren't the guys that are just dripping with talent that are, you know, first or early for, early first or second round picks, you know? So I think again, you need depth in the NFL and we definitely need a depth in the interior offensive linemen. So you got Brad Berry out of LSU and you get Oluwateemi out of Michigan, love it. Love those picks.
1: Yeah, agreed. And you finally you start to see the Seahawks, like we mentioned earlier, getting those those positions of need. And you know, gu- guards, centers—they they don't have to be first-round picks necessarily to be good players. And so, well, not don't know a lot about these guys, but like you said, three and four-year starters at major universities. They have the pedigree, so yeah, hopefully they can You know
0: they're big time high school recruits yeah. playing at big time universities and big time games. And those are the guys that generally yeah, you like you look at any offensive linemen in the N or offensive line groups in the NFL, and there's always guys that come from smaller universities, but most of them are littered with big time programs. Yeah. Pac twelve, big ten, SEC, big twelve. And so like I said, it was encouraging that the Seahawks, I feel like, kind of went back to basics. Like we're going to draft guys that are bona fide top college players, not projects. This isn't the uh, cable days, where it's like, get me a yeah, get me a guy out of cable and
1: Solari. Yeah, yeah
0: get me a guy out of bum nowhere, and I'll turn him into a great offensive line. It's like, no, we just need guys that know how to play the position. Yeah, and if they're good, they'll be good. If not. You can it's a fifth round pick. You can go back to the well and go get another guy yeah. and try again. But at the very least you have guys that could probably give you proven depth day one.
1: Yeah. All right. Other picks that we made here, um for the back end of the fourth round. Cameron Young out of Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. D tackle. Six three, three oh four. Um again, don't know much about this guy, but it's position of need. So I you know and again premier premier uh um sec you know sec school guy um so we'll see what i'm reading here says a lot of raw talent but uh, doesn't always have a have yeah. a plan
0: 42 career games 24 starts uh, i heard rob rang on the radio he actually said he was part of his uh rang gang Ooh. which kind of like falls into the lunch pail <laughs> gang type guy it's just yeah. like Kind of, you know, kind of got that dog in him. Uh, he actually said that reminds him a bit of uh, Jaron Reed, you know, obviously who we just brought back. But, like, Ace, he's 6'3", 304. That's actually pretty good size, but, like, not some crazy imposing size, you know. But I think, again, he's just going to be a guy who's going to be ready to come and work. Yeah. And, like I said, position of need, fourth round. You're looking for guys, again, that – Hopefully fit your culture and're gonna be able to fit in and it seems like don't know a ton about the guy, but it seems like he definitely checks those boxes, yeah, so again, like I think it's a good pick, and then same for uh the other guy we got out of Michigan right before, Mike Morris, yeah, basically copy and paste the same things we were saying about Ulimi, the center big time program he's been in the College football playoff each of the last two years six five two seventy five that's great size yeah it's only twenty two he's actually one of the younger guys yeah that we got here towards the back back of it but it's really good size again it's a fifth round pick I think you're getting you're getting guys though that are probably closer to NFL depth players less of a project and I think that's where where the Seahawks need to be. Agreed. They're not in a position to be trying to, you know, find a diamond in the rough, and maybe some of these guys can be that, but you need guys that are used to playing high level football, and so hopefully these guys can round out the team. I mean, you you know, you still went out and signed defensive line. Like you said, you brought back Jaron Reed, you got Draymond Jones, like so you ideally have your starting rotation. So you need you need younger guys that can come in, come and, in be and, and be ready and yeah, that. be ready to actually give you quality reps day one. They can't be fumbling around and trying to figure out how to play the position.
1: Yeah. Yeah, dude. and I these like guys are ready to go. They, all of these guys, what, yeah. They, they know what they're doing. They, they just, have
0: yeah, they, they have, have go the out pedigree. There
1: And uh, make plays and, and I mean it goes back to what we've talked about. I don't know if that we've talked about it on the podcast before, but that when the Seahawks were a really great team in 2012, 2013, 2014. It was because they were putting guys in positions to succeed, and so it, you know you had you had guys that what I'm good at is being an interior D lineman that is a run stopper or whatever. So now you have some of these depth pieces here that you can just put them in those positions to go do what they're good at and right. and and then just go make plays. Yeah, you're not
0: asking him to.
1: Yeah, not asking him to learn a new position, not asking him to You don't need to be a it.
0: virtuoso, like exactly. we don't need you to be a five tool defensive lineman. We need you to fill the role that you're best at.
1: Exactly. And
0: so it seems like they went out in position of need and then the talent that's gonna go with it. Right? We yeah, exactly. Like we don't right, Jalen Carter would be an example of a guy that, you know, can be that virtuoso that can do
1: you do it all. You move
0: mountains. Up, yeah, you, you can you,
1: you run, stop. You do it all. Wh- versus these guys, where um, you know death pieces. You have situational guys, and you find out what they do best, and then you stick them in the position to do that. So, um, last pick that we haven't mentioned here for the Seahawks was uh, there was sixth round, twenty first overall pick in that round, and that's Jarek Reed the second out of New Mexico safety. Uh, another guy that is a four year starter on the team. Last year had 94 tackles, two forced fumbles, and again, I think the the biggest thing that you see with a lot of these guys that the Seahawks picked this this time around, and kind of in general with their their DB group, versatile player, can play corner or safety. So, that's again, it. just another another piece in there that that can go either way. Probably going to be a special teamer right now, but um Guy that can that can step in in any any role and uh, and be maybe like a Ryan Neal type that can play nickel can play safety can you know kind of move around the defense as needed if if he's called upon.
0: Yeah, I I don't know much about the guy. Obviously, I don't watch too much New Mexico State games. Five nine, it's pretty short. It, they do have him at one hundred ninety six pounds though. It sounds that's pretty built. stout. Yeah, like it's that's pretty stout DB, honestly. So I don't know. Like I said. I mean, you need special teamers too. And like you said, he's, sounds like he's pretty versatile. So again, like, I honestly think you could probably just put a bow on on the Seahawks draft. Yeah. What, I, I wanted
1: to add one more thing that as kind of a, a side or a final piece to this is that, that not, I guess not many people realize, but Seahawks third round pick um, what, they had a the third round pick at twenty-one and they traded out of that to move back into the fourth round and where they picked that Anthony Bradford from LSU. But they got in return a third round pick for next year from Denver because Denver didn't have a first or a second round pick. And so they apparently really wanted this uh the cornerback that they ended up picking. So they gave up next year's third round pick.
0: So now watch two.
1: Which from from what I from what I gathered on that, like what they moved back 15 spots probably should have garnered something closer to like a sixth or seventh round pick in return for for that and instead got an equal pick pretty much for yeah just a year later exactly a year later so once again you fleeced Denver yeah I don't know Denver. why
0: Denver yeah just, to just get beat up by yeah us. exactly
1: so um you know not something most people are going to talk about or realize next year's draft comes around but like you you got you got Denver again realistically there and probably still got the guy that you ultimately wanted, and got another another pick for next year. So, uh, yeah, excited for all these guys, though. I, I'm you know, it's early, but time will tell what what they're gonna do for us. It's, especially these back end guys, but I think that especially our first and second round guys are gonna be immediate impact players. And then some of these linemen in here, I think, are gonna like. I think the uh, Michigan center is probably gonna be a starter for us. I can't imagine. Why not? We'll yeah, see I mean, who is playing center for us right now? Um, is it Haynes or, um, yeah, I d- I don't even know at this point. Our center retired, so yeah. So I yeah, so I would imagine he's going to be a starter for us. And I mean, players... I could
0: I could very well see it, much like this last year. That it's like you kind of just look across, and it, it's like, so what did you do in this draft? Well, you got a starting corner, you got a starting wide receiver, you got. Starting Possibly two back. two starting D linemen and the guy from Mississippi State and obviously Derek Hall. Then you might have got a starting center, and then I won't call Charbonnet a starting running back, but you might as well be. You got he's gonna start games.
1: Yeah, I mean, starting starting
0: at running back isn't really a yeah. in my mind isn't a stat. It's like each guy's gonna get fifteen carries. Yeah. Well, he's so.
1: he's a one a. 1A. <laughs> One yeah. A, one B. <laughs> yeah, so
0: you got you got big time contribute. You know, you might have you might have just added five new big time contributors to your team. Yeah, which so. I'd say is
1: an overall effective draft for the Seahawks. So, uh, yeah, excited. It's fun. It's been a fun process. Been fun talking about all of it and and seeing where where all the uh, pieces landed. And even though we didn't get some of the guys that we've been talking about, I think there's a lot. A lot to be excited about, for sure. So, uh, mini-camps, I think, two weeks away. So, we'll get our first look at some of these guys here soon.
0: Yeah, and, you know, draft grades, like we kind of said before, it's just the dumbest thing ever because it's people who don't actually draft anybody deciding where people should be drafted. And then when they go higher or lower than they projected, then that's how they come up with their grade. But I would like to think that it feels like the Seahawks really were had one of the better drafts out of all of the teams the Eagles are obviously seemed like <laughs> yeah. they're they're in there like you said we're gonna gloss over the ref, rest of the draft but you know I was miffed by it but I thought Keely Ringo based off of these same things that was gonna be going maybe a, a late first round or early-ish second round guy and end up going in the fourth round to the Eagles because that's apparently all they do is get Georgia players but I got to think that the Seahawks are towards the top of of the NFL in terms of air quote draft grades, you know? So, and like I said, I think there's easily four or five guys out of this, you know, any year that you have a draft and you can get four or five guys that can be contributors, then I'd call that a, I'd call that a big win. And you saw it last year. You had a lot of contributions from young players and you got to think those guys are going to get better this year. You bring in a fresh crop of young players that are going to contribute and honestly, I think the Seahawks are just in a great position right now. Mostly because they didn't overthink it. They just go get established players. Agreed. I'm really excited about it. like I said, they're gonna have the rookie mini camp coming up, uh, I think it's two weeks from now ish. Get a chance to see these guys a little bit more, at least in Seahawks uniform and pads, and I'm sure there'll be more conjecture about how they look. It's really exciting. I think we've I think we've touched enough on the draft now. We've gone, you know, over an hour and a half at this point. So let's just uh, take a break real quick, and then we'll we'll get into some Husky football talk. <laughs> Alright, switching gears to Husky football. It's been long overdue. We went a little long with the NFL draft talk, so we'll keep this a little condensed. It was just a spring game, so there'll be a lot more time to talk about Husky football. So uh Nigel showed up to the game before I did. So I'm gonna let him kind of set the stage here. I mean we we did end up sitting right on the fifty yard line, row thirteen, perfect seats.
1: Beautiful day. Yeah, sun sun, sun was, was coming out. out. Nice, nice mid fifties Seattle spring day. Um, yeah, I got there, got there a uh, little little bit before Luke. Watching some of the drills, hanging out. Um, wanted to give a quick shout out, real quick. So I was sitting there um, on the fifty yard line, got my my sweet seats, and I am looking around, getting the lay of the land, and I noticed a Letterman's jacket in front of me that that looked a lot like my my uh, high school alma mater colors and uh, peeped at the at the right the right arm on it and said Sultan Sultan uh, High School so kind of looked around and started noticing that all these guys had Sultan High School gear on and uh, took a look over to my right and sure enough the head coach and my former O-line coach at Sultan High was uh, sitting right there so shout out to uh, Ben Murphy coach and uh and Rick Rudd, he wasn't my coach, but I, he was my teacher when I was there, so that was kind of fun to see. see good the, to see uh, some familiar faces. Yeah, some faces. familiar faces, and apparently they got a a good squad this upcoming year. So uh, shout out Turks football, we we love you. I'm yeah, be and to uh, support you.
0: Ben Ben gave us a formal invite to. Uh, oh yeah, so Sultan, Sultan, Turk, Turk, Sultan Media Turk
1: Media Day. Sultan uh, Turk Media Day. Throwing throwing some heat at the at the <laughs> coaching staff there, so be ready for that. Yeah, we, I told you, Ben. From... In the
0: moment, no softballs here. All right, <laughs> don't don't invite us unless you want the heat. So yeah, that's
1: right. So we'll we'll have our credentials all lined up and be ready for Salton Media Day. It's
0: okay. We got a special place in our heart for Salton Salton football, so we'll that's be right. kind. But go Turks. Yeah, excited excited to see how the Turks do this year. But it's always good to see some people from the Sky Valley out at. Out at Husky Stadium, especially on a beautiful day like it was yeah. on the spring game, but
1: absolutely. So, so watching some drills. Luke showed up, and uh, eventually the the game got started off, and uh, purple versus gold offense versus defense, and the uh, the defense really really came to play to start start off the spring game. And they they uh, jumped out to an early lead in the game. Got a couple of picks right off the bat. Um,
0: Yeah, Demo and Penix each. Yeah, Dylan Moore threw a pick.
1: Threw a pick uh, to Javion Green um, on the on one of his first passes of the of the day, and I try to remember. I believe it got uh, it was a pick six on that one. It wasn't a I think they six. blew it. I think they blew it. I I think they blew the, the picks.
0: I think they blew the picks dead, basically, because they don't want offensive players. Yeah, they don't want They don't to want demo going to tackle somebody. Yeah, so, so I think they kind of they kind of blow it dead, basically, after he picks it off. But
1: yeah, but Jamion Green made a really nice play on the ball. Got got in there.
0: He's um, a guy that's fighting for a spot too. That cornerback spot.
1: Yeah, that cornerback room is is it's got a lot of talent and there's, there's open positions there. I think the only position that is probably locked in is Mish Powell at who is going to probably play at the nickel spot. Yeah. That's a big move. Yeah. Because he's such a good tackler. Um, and again, we're, we're going to talk a lot more about, I think the starters on this team as we get closer to the season and throughout the year. So I want to focus a little more on some of the guys that, Aren't necessarily the traditional starters here, but just to kind of recap again. But they're fighting for a spot. Yeah, so. they're fine. Yeah, exactly. He might be a starter, um, and then but uh, following up with that on the, I believe the very next drive, um, Penix was back out there. They were alternating ones and twos pretty much every other drive. So Penix was back out there on the next drive, and then he threw a pick um, to
0: Elijah Jackson. That? Elijah
1: Jackson on that one. And um again really good really good play when ran underneath the receiver on it and just just beat him to the ball and another guy that's fighting for a job on that on that's that
0: I TV think both group. both those guys like they're
1: fringe they're fringe guys probably. that you
0: know, like, Muhammad, the transfer from Oklahoma State you figure he's probably looking to take one of those spots at at corner and
1: he looks really good.
0: Yeah, he didn't have that many reps. I feel like because he also kind of picked up a little bit of an injury, didn't he? Hit somebody? Yeah, I think he. I think he, had he made a, a tackle and kind of got it. Right? Yeah, he kind of got a stinger, and I didn't see much of him the rest of the day. But you figure he didn't transfer here to be a backup, and he had a lot of experience in the Big Twelve as a starter, so which isn't saying much. They don't I, yeah, I guess that's there, a good point. But,
1: but we have a we have a good history with uh, guys from the Big Twelve coming here to play. So um,
0: yeah, I think. But Elijah Jackson and on Green, I figure both of those guys, guys that are needed, fighting for a spot,
1: plays, and they they were out there doing it. Um, so that was encouraging. Yeah, that was definitely encouraging. They were, and really the the whole. I mean, the first probably eight or nine drives, the defense was getting stops, getting three and outs or or four and outs because the they were being a little aggressive with some of the calls just because it's spring game, so they're going for it on fourth and shorts on their side of the field on occasion. But the defense was getting stops and looking really good. Um, guy that guy that uh, near and dear to my heart, not really, uh, who's been kind of a bust for, for the D-line, um, uh, Bandez, Yeah, Jacob Bandez, Jacob Bandes. Uh, guy who was... Pretty high recruit, four-star guy. Thought he was going to be a stud when he came in. Hasn't done much. He had a really good day. I think he had two straight pass pass block or pass knockdowns. Was in on a bunch of tackles. He was all over the place. And so that was promising just because if there's anywhere on that defense – I know last year the defense kind of struggled with the DBs early on in the year. But it seems like as the year went forward, it was more of the D, interior D-line and run stopping that was more of the issue. And so, seeing him at least out there making plays. Some of those guys, like Tuli Latule, like I know he's gonna be, he's gonna be doing his thing. The the edge guys are gonna be doing their thing. But it was good to see a um, guy that had high expectations for for the last couple of years finally making some plays out there. So he's got to
0: do it against somebody other than his own team, though. Like Absolutely. that's kind of the thing. Is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. He's right. been a little bit of a disappointment, but you know now's the time. Yeah, exactly. And like I said. There's a need there's a need for interior D linemen on this Husky team to step up and start making plays. And he did it. He yeah. did it at least in the spring game. So you just gotta gotta carry that momentum over into fall camp and then the regular season. But yeah, he's like you said, he's a guy that we've been waiting to see pop off the page and he definitely had a good day at the spring game. So that was encouraging. But there's a lot of guys, honestly, on that D line that like, you know, Guys like Braylon Trice and ZTF, like they're obviously we know they're
1: studs. Yeah,
0: we know they're studs. We know that they're gonna they're gonna get theirs and they're gonna be the bell cows of that edge pressure. But honestly, that was one of the bright spots I thought, especially because Savell Small's, you know, entered the transfer portal. Yeah, you know, and now you're
1: finding out why it's because some of those other ex er, D end and edge guys are really talented.
0: <laughs> yeah, one guy comes to mind right off the bat is Maurice Himes. Yeah. He's a guy that
1: I've been big on him since last or last year when I went, I went to the spring game myself and watched him and, and, and that was, he was like the best player of of the day, like made every play. And so I, I didn't know anything about him last year. And Luke's like, Oh yeah, they've they've got, they've got big plans for that guy. And, And once again, he looked really good.
0: Yeah. He's one of those guys that he, you know, he reminds you a lot more of, uh, a Chris Peterson type recruit which Kalen DeBoer in a lot of ways you know kind of reminds you of Chris Peterson in the sense that it eventually i think the Huskies are going to be recruiting on a way larger scale much like Chris Peterson did as his tenure progressed but early on you know you're kind of a guy that you're not known for recruiting huge nationally so you got to find guys you got to you do have to find these diamonds in the rough and just a big kid that originally from Germany, and I think yeah. he came to the United States. I think in California, started playing high school football. And uh, what do you have his? Do you have his measurables? Isn't he like six, five, six two five, 246 is Oh, 246, Okay, but just has a great frame. He's still kind of new to football, but like you just got to coach him up. Like the frame is he also there. Just,
1: he just seems like he finds a way to get free. You know, like he's just – whether whether it's just his speed off the edge, I, I'm not sure what it is. But he he just seems to, you know, get off blocks really well and, and make plays. Um, so, yeah, he was, he was definitely – he's definitely one of those guys that
0: – I said, I don't know. Keep
1: an eye on – I don't know that he's going to start this year, but I would think – Well, he, he's
0: definitely not going to start. Yeah, he's but. not going
1: to start this year, but he's going to be – for one, I think he's going to get playing time this year. And for two, I think he's a guy to look for in the future as – as potentially one of your hallmark DN types. Yeah,
0: I mean, Tri- Trice and ZTF look like they're poised to... I mean, they could have went into the draft this year and gotten draft... Who, who knows how high? Probably not that high. Maybe Trice. He's He has a lot more buzz around him as a draft prospect at this point, but, you know, you figure they, they go and do their thing this year. They'll both get drafted, at least in the mid-rounds. But there's going to be open spots... You know, not this next season, but the year after once they leave. And, yeah, Himes is going to have to be a guy. He's, you know, you find yourself in the two deeps this year, get a lot of reps, and then just parlay that into being the dude the year after. But I'm excited to see him. There's a few guys that kind of fit in that. The other guy, I know I told you about him a long time ago, Milton Hopkins Jr. Yeah. Just, he's one of those guys that reminds me a lot of uh, Joe Tryon, is that He was kind of I it seems like it rude to say this, but kind of like a throwaway signing Mm -hmm. that I think you know we got him like after signing day, because I think the Huskies thought that they were going to, you know, maybe be players on a bigger recruit, and then that kid ends up signing somewhere else. It's like, okay, well, here's Milton Hopkins. He's two star, three star guy, local product. Yeah.
1: Out of O'Day.
0: Out of O'Day, but. Six four two twenty six as an edge rusher, so he's a little thin. But like, like I said, it was much like it. it reminds me a lot of Joe Tryon. Yeah. You have the length and the size. You're going to have to beef up. You're a bit of a project, but like, this is what college football is all about, though. You find you can't teach size, and like, he already has a great frame. And he's you know he's still a raw player, but like, he looks good. Yeah, he he's a ways away. I don't know that he'll play at all this next year. But, you know, maybe. you go out there and perform, maybe maybe your, time, your timeline gets bumped up pretty quickly. But, you know, he's a future player for the Huskies. But that's why we like going to the spring game, though. It's like, great. Like, it looks like he's on schedule. It's going to take time, but he's on schedule. He's getting better. He's making good reps out there. And he definitely looks the part. Yeah. And the, he like, he, he looks like a long-rangey defensive end type. So... I liked seeing him. Where's the
1: number fourteen? Also, it's a uh, cool number, noteworthy. Um, the other guy that's um, edge guy that this guy's gonna be making plays on Saturday and I, <laughs> or on Saturdays this fall. I already know it. Zach Durfee. Uh, yes, you, you were uh, you were telling me about him before. He's from is he from uh, South Dakota? Is that
0: right? He's from Minnesota. He's from Minnesota, okay. but he played at Sioux Falls, okay, which is which, which is, is where, where Kalen DeBoer De Boer got a start at.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. This guy is he, he's on the two deeps right now, but he is going to be making plays for us this year, guaranteed. The Six guy...
0: five two fifty two as an edge rusher. They like said not clearly not recruited. He's playing D three football until yeah. this year, but. Clearly, DeBoer has the inside knowledge given his history there in Sioux Falls. And, like, he looked explosive. Oh,
1: yeah. He, looks, he, he had a, he was making had a handful right of
0: really the- good plays. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, think, I think compared to some of those other guys, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps the timeline a lot faster. I agree. Just because he clearly looks like a much better football player than his recruiting profile would have said. Whereas, like, Himes and Hopkins – they're pro. They're, they seem like more projects. Durfee feels more like a he's good ready to go. a good player that was under recruited. He knows how to play the position, and he clearly 6'5", 250. He has the frame. He's not. He doesn't need to like Hopkins at two twenty six. He needs to grow into his frame still. Mm-hmm. So he's a bit more of a project. Durfee, Durfee's I think, ready. like he's, like I said, that it's a tough position to crack right now because there's just established players ahead. But I think he's gonna be. An, an impact player for this team
1: speaking of good frames uh didn't he only saw him uh play a few plays right at the end because i think he's more in the three deeps uh freshman anthony james yes oh my pretty
0: big time recruit
1: oh my goodness you when you see this guy he just he looks like an nfl player and he's 18 years old <laughs> The guy is. Yeah, he's big. The guy is big, and I can't wait. He again, he's probably a guy that we're not going to be seeing much of this year. Maybe at the end of the year, he'll work his way in. We'll see. But the dude has bona fide NFL size on him. He's six five two sixty four. He he's huge. He looks he looks every bit of it. So excited to see him out there.
0: Which reminds um, me, kind of kind of moved out of the interior D line pretty quick. Is the Parker twins?
1: I was. I'm glad you read my mind there. I was gonna <laughs> had to bring. I was gonna bring it back to them.
0: Similar, similar to the Hopkins signing, is that these are twin brothers out of Michigan.
1: Yeah, two for one special
0: out of Detroit. That were twins, Basil. Like I said, is a, I think I, I might have it mixed up, but I don't think I do. Is that Armon Parker had like a three star grade on him, mm-hmm. but had like no offers from any. Definitely no Power Five schools, if any D one schools. I think. Mm-hmm. And then he has his twin brother. who was like a two star who definitely had no, no offers. And yeah. so we signed him as a package deal at like at the eleventh hour last year. And Armon, like I said, I think I have
1: no. It's it, it's Javon. Javon's Jayvon. the one that's played. On yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm seeing that ninety four. It's definitely number ninety four. Mm-hmm. So Javon Parker played and had big plays even in that.
1: Yeah, even in the, in the, the Alamo Bowl, yeah, like
0: yeah. had I think he had a sack or maybe it was a sack or a tackle for loss, like kind of late in the game. Mm-hmm. It was pretty yeah, big down time.
1: At, down at the end of the year, Javon was playing quite a bit. But they're they're,
0: games, they're both six three, three hundred plus pounds. Like I think they're going to be, especially Javon, is going to be a big part of that rotation this year. Absolutely,
1: yeah.
0: And so, like I said, th- there's still there's still a lot to. Prove with a lot of these guys, but I think there's a ton of potential there.
1: Absolutely. It, anytime you can stack the interior with three hundred pounders at the at the college level, it's a good sign, and that's and that's really, you know, what I think what the Huskies have been missing for for a couple of years now is is um, just having those. Just big bodies down in the down in the trenches, and so now you're you've got a few of those guys that are that are three hundred plus pounders that are developing into into good players on the D line, and so I, I you know I'm hopeful that's that's going to be what it takes to to compete against the best teams in the Pac-12 for sure, but but yeah, you have to further you have to be... to that because the, I think the the obviously the goal for this Husky team is not to be Doing well, just well against Pac 12 schools at speed, buying for a college football playoff berth this year. Yeah, if you're so,
0: going to be playing Alabama, Georgia, Ohio yeah. State, you have to have three deeps of guys that exactly, are over 300 30, pounds.
1: 300 pounders.
0: And they, they have, have to be right impact behind. players. Exactly. And so, like I said, there's still a little bit of projects, under recruited players with great frames, but at least in Javon's case, already last year as a true freshman was making good plays, especially later in the season. Cause I think he still kept his red shirt. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't okay. Play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, am seeing that now too. Yeah. So he was getting some reps and he was starting to make the most of them, especially as the season went on. And so I think it's just a great sign, but again, you gotta, you gotta carry that into next season.
1: Yeah. And then see linebacker core, you have, uh, you had Eddie Olafcio back, uh, which is which is great. He's healthy now. Um, he's looking is he's looking bigger than ever. He, he looks built, he always has. You know, he's always looked yeah. fit for the position. And he's always if he's healthy, the guy makes tackles, he makes plays. So it was good to see him back and out there playing. Um, you have you have grad transfer uh, from USC, Raylan Goforth. Again, guy that's... Yeah, I
0: didn't see him get that many reps in there, but...
1: He looks the part, though. He,
0: yeah, he, he definitely he definitely looks the part. He looks big. Yeah. But it seemed like they were limiting his reps, probably because, especially at, you know, interior backer, don't need those guys. There's a, there's a lot of guys that could rotate in and out right now in spring mm-hmm. ball. We don't need guys like that picking up injuries. Because same for Eddie LaFoscia, that... He 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 had hardly any reps.
1: Yeah, but it's just good that he's... The main thing I wanted to point out is that he's back and healthy, which is most important because I I think they're talking about that during the the lead-up to the spring game that uh, Kalen DeBoer was talking about that a bit, that he's excited to finally see Eddie O healthy because he's never seen him healthy before, and it makes a big, big difference. And I, I think that what I was talking about just a minute ago that the interior D line and like the rush defense of the Huskies was a little suspect at times last year, and especially down the down the stretch a little bit. It, it, the very end of the season, they kind of stiffened up a bit, but like there were stretches where it was kind of tough for them. And I think having a healthy Eddie O and and then a guy like Raylan Go Goforth, who's a bona fide middle backer in the Pac twelve that's been there and done it. it Having those guys, it only makes everything the rest of the guys better because your top end is is that much higher. So excited to see uh, those guys out there this year.
0: Yeah, there's one. There's really only one other guy that I want to touch on on this defense that we can turn our attention to the offense was uh, Tristan Dunn. Oh yeah, safety out of Sumner, Washington. Sneaky good signing by the Huskies because they feel like. At least if you follow the recruiting, it, it kind of thought he might slip away. Kind of that three-star, four-star safety. They got him at 6'4", 190 pounds. And he looked... He's definitely thin still, obviously. Mm-hmm. But 6'4", safety. Kind of just looks like Asa Turner, 2.0. And he, he looked good out there. Yeah. He, he looks
1: like... I mean, he's just like an aggressive player. Like, every time he... Every time he was in on the play, it was like a big hit. Every single time. Yeah, he was getting in there. Yeah, he he may be slider in frame, but he's he's not afraid to go hit somebody, which is what I like to see as as a safety, especially like he seems like he can be that kind of punishing guy, kind of the guy that we always hoped Asa Turner could be, it, it seems like Tristan Dunn might be that guy, and so
0: yeah, he seems already like he's a little bit more physical, even though he's a little more slender in size but Mm -hmm. but he's not afraid to put
1: his head in there ace
0: has always been a little more tentative to tackle yeah he's been he's been good at being in the right place at the right time and getting turnovers he's had some picks and some fumble recoveries but hasn't really been that physical presence that you would hope from a guy that at least when he was recruited, he came to UW because he wanted to play safety instead of linebacker because Notre Dame wanted him to play linebacker, which yeah. would imply that he's pretty physical yeah. and he hasn't really he hasn't, lived up yeah, to he hasn't that.
1: Shown that. very much.
0: But I guess the, the one other guy too I'll say is uh, Vincent Nunley was the other safety that was kind of playing in the two deeps with Tristan Dunn a lot. And I think he might have a good chance to crack that starting lineup pretty quickly. Obviously, they've... We kind of glossed over this, but they moved Dom Hampton out of that Husky spot, which is more of the, it's a nickel, but mm-hmm. and they kind of have moved him back to safety. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to follow. Yeah, I'll as this Husky where, defense where comes together,
1: where they end up putting putting him, just because he's a guy that I feel like in that in that Husky spot, he just kind of got a little lost last year, which is not necessarily the worst thing, you know. It's like no one was making plays against him. Either, but he just wasn't. He wasn't. He seems like a guy that needs to be making tackles in the run fit and like or hitting guys across. Yeah, the he should be left. blowing people up. Exactly. He's such a he's such a physical big big guy, and so it just seemed like in that husky spot, he was he just was kind of lost out there. Or, you're
0: just not calling yeah, his name very exactly. much. Exactly. And you're,
1: so he's 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 probably the best player. Pound for pound on the defense,
0: he should be at least. Yeah, and
1: you you just weren't ever hearing his name too much, and so I.
0: Hopefully, with this new role, you'll start to see him have an impact, and he could start to lay the hammer on some people. And you know, he's a former corner that's now you know two hundred and thirty pounds, so maybe you could see some of those corner ball skills come in more. But overall, to put a bow on it, defense had a great start. To the spring game. Yeah. And all those guys had some splashy plays. But then as... As the scrimmage went on. And the offense started to find its rhythm. I mean... We've kind of... Been slow to get in and talk about the offense. Because to be honest. I think we all know what the offense is going to look like. No, we're not... Too not worried.
1: about it. <laughs> not
0: they've, too worried about what the offense is going to look like. And realistically...
1: They've returned just about everybody. And... The guys that are back look like they're a year better. The one thing I will say is that Rome looks bigger. Like he yeah. looks, he looks like he's put on a couple pounds, maybe five, five, six, seven pounds of muscle. Like he looks a little more built, which is great. He also, as he showed this throughout the game, um, seems like he can just get open for a fifteen-yard pass at any time that he wants. And Penix can get it to him at any time that he wants. It's like it after that pick um, that Penix threw, it, it seemed like once that happened, he was just like, okay, well I'm just gonna throw to Rome now. And
0: yeah, you almost kind of got the impression game. early in the scrimmage that it's like, let's not just pick on the defense and throw it to Rome every time because we know that that's an option. Like, let's try to work other yeah, aspects. Let's try
1: to get Giles Jackson involved and let's try to get some of these other guys. Yeah,
0: and then they kind of fell down like, all right, we should probably get back to some more basic Husky offense here. Mm-hmm. And then Adunze, he just looks like a guy, he looked very confident. That is just like, I will just get open whenever I want to be open. Yeah. And then Penix will just put it right on him. And then it was just like first down, first down, first down. Like, Yeah, they've, he can, they've got that
1: that like 15-yard like throw to the sideline, back back shoulder, like down so well now. And it it they had it last year too, but it's just like it's another year yeah. of practice on it now and it just looks unstoppable.
0: I mean you like, see, like the numbers were in last year is that I think the Huskies had the best third down conversion offense in all of college football. And you could attribute that to a lot of things, but it's pretty easy to see even just from the spring game. Roma Dunze can just run that sticks route about as well as anybody, and Penix <laughs> can throw that as well as anybody just, like, get to the sticks. It could be a curl. It could be an in. It could be an out. It could be a back shoulder. doesn't matter. Like, he just knows how to set up his defender and be like, okay, I'm open. Like, just put yeah, it on. Just put I'll be open. And put just... it wherever the
1: defender is. Yeah, recently.
0: exactly. I will read the defender and just put it on me, and I will get it. And it's just, like, toe yeah. tap, and I'm good. I'll I'll walk out of bounds and yeah, save but a hit. So. Was...
1: It's it's going to be.
0: I think it's going to be everything you expect it to be, which is an elite combo that is going to be tough for any defense to stop.
1: Yeah, it, and that's that's also keeping in mind that the offense is running a vanilla offense. You know, during yeah, like the playbook is vanilla. They're not showing anything special. It's it's you know pretty vanilla calls, and and still Rome just is able to get open at any time it seemed like jaylen Jalen mcmillan didn't have that many reps in the game it seemed like yeah, i don't know if he picked had, up an injury or something yeah, but, but it was similar with him with so early on there were some short routes that he was running that it's just you know they they run that little trips combo route that they love to run and and they did the same thing last year and it's like Jalen Jalen mcmillan's open every time when he wanted to so the those guys i mean there's no doubt that's gonna be a the, a the receiving room for the Huskies is unbelievable. And, yeah, I say, and it's only getting better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I say we can we can move away from the guys that we all know about because they're established. But Jeremy Bernard was really the guy that it was really nice to see up close and personal because he was working with Dylan Morris a lot more, uh-huh. but he looked really good. Especially on those like deep balls down the sideline that just like swivel hips, like he's just kind of running the route and then like, boom, turn, high point the ball, very smooth.
1: Yeah, based based off what I saw in that game, I don't really see any way that he's not the third receiver come
0: come. Especially with this t- next Taj year. Davis just yeah. transferred out, so yeah. there's an extra spot. But it's like we like Jalen Polk.
1: Yeah, I like Jalen Polk a lot. I just think that Jeremy Bernard brings kind of a different aspect. He actually he he does the same aspects of Jalen Polk's game, I I guess, because I think Jalen Polk has some of that like like ability too, but uh, to like kind of open the hips and catch the ball on the sideline. But I think Jeremy Bernard is just better at it. <laughs> and yeah,
0: and he's pretty stout too. Yeah, he is. is, he is the, they got him at like six one, almost two ten. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like he's. He's pretty stout and like I said in this game he mostly was targeted it seemed like on downfield throws mm-hmm. but he also strikes me as a guy that like, get him on a slant a or a drag route across the middle, get the ball in his hands like he could be a problem running. Didn't really see it in the spring game but I know that that's a part of his game. Yeah.
1: Well, part of that too is that that Dylan Morris it just
0: by sucks. virtue it yeah, <laughs>
1: sucks and by virtue of his game is I don't think he's as good as Throwing the ball over the middle as Penix is because he's shorter, and so he's looking for more of those down the sideline throws. And so, Jeremy Bernard had a couple of big catches in that game. Few that, few that uh, that were thrown out of bounds too because Demos sucks. That he yeah, still he had, made the catch. Yeah, he had it. one that
0: was really nice, but yeah. he was well out of bounds because yeah. the ball was thrown out of bounds. But but he still caught the ball. Like he jumps at the high point. Came, yeah. Everything that
1: came his way, he caught pretty much all day. And He yeah he just looks he just looks like he has the ability to go high point that ball and uh, I mean we'll see but that's gonna be a really interesting battle I think for that for that third receiver spot with him and Polk um, as as we get closer to to the season next year yeah
0: I mean I wouldn't even be surprised too if it's just because we like Polk obviously I would still be looking at uh, what's what's Elijah. Right? Is that his name? Um, Pause. How am I already forgetting his name? Sorry, Giles. Oh, Giles Jackson. Yeah, sorry. So I I would. I'm going to be curious if Jeremy Bernard ends up competing with Giles Jackson because he's just kind of been underwhelming in his entire career.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen much to. I mean, I would, I would think that, in my opinion, he's already ahead of Giles Jackson, and Giles Jackson kind of brings a little different game. I guess he's more of a sort of jitterbug sort of guy. But he really,
0: he he is on paper.
1: Yeah, he is on paper. But he just, he just hasn't really shown, shown much to me that he can, you know, do any of it. I, mean, I just haven't, I haven't seen it from Giles at all.
0: Yeah, it's just you expect top end speed. And, you know, like it gets thrown around a lot, but you know, your Tyreek Hill type that it's like mm-hmm. you could just throw a little ten yard comeback at, like in a soft zone and then he'll he just go do the rest. he'll just juke everybody out of their shoes and then run down the sideline for a fifty yard touchdown. And I just haven't seen that from him. No. And it's not like he has elite hands or anything that he's plucking the ball that like I just said before, is that Jeremy Bernard haven't seen it in a husky uniform yet, but He's got the size that you think, like get that guy up over the middle with the ball, and he's going to be a problem for DBs to tackle. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I I think Jeremy Bernard is going to, I just just from that spring game watching what he was doing, especially with the the hardest part of playing receiver, high pointing a ball thirty five yards downfield. Yes. That seems like the hard. That's the advanced level receiver yes. stuff. Catching a slant over the middle of the field and then breaking a tackle like that's high school shit yeah so i know he could do that
1: yeah yeah he he, but he he definitely showed that ability to like open up the hips get the get the ball like high point the ball get his feet down on the sideline yeah and and i mean i think that was the first the first thing i saw from husky football on like the first day of spring ball was they showed a video of him doing that and it seems like that yeah, that's his bread and butter right there. So, at least from what they what they showed in that in the spring game, that he has that ability and he's not afraid to use it, and they're not afraid to throw it down the field to him. So, put a real quarterback out there throwing him the ball. I think he's. I mean, that's a that's a lethal weapon to have.
0: Lethal weapon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> lethal weapon six. Um, other other guys on the uh, offense that I just or wanted to touch on real quick that I saw that I thought was promising was with Cam Davis. He's starting running back for the hot skis or He should be for this upcoming year. Well, seems but, like it's his position, but Yeah, him I think him and him and uh, our guy Dick Newton will will be the be the dudes probably when it's all said and done. Well, we got
0: we got the transfer running backs too, which we didn't really see a lot of. I don't even know if all of them are well, they they're probably here, but I didn't see yeah. I it, it really was the Cam Davis show as yeah. far as running back they did run Tybo, yeah they ran the Ty true Bo. freshman who enrolled <laughs> early yeah great name double time go,
1: uh, but the thing I want to note on Cam Davis is that it seems like uh, between between last year and this year he is and he started to figure it out a little at the end of last year too but it, it's like he's running north and south now which is really the like staple of the running back position in this offense. I think before Cam Davis, you know, kind of like to try to bounce around or take it wide and try to run to be, want to be
0: a jitterbug and try to break runs instead of just putting his head down.
1: Yeah. And so he's, it looks like he's really figured out that in this offense, he needs to go North and South and, and just take the four yards and that because the offense is so good, you go do that. Eventually it's, there's going to be a breakdown and then you can just, have the big play and well so, i mean you
0: saw it last year is that nobody on paper would have been like wayne Tula Papa that guy's gonna have a, a ton of big touchdown runs but he did yeah because all he because did he, was because run because straight offense, yeah right? it's yeah. like like the holes are gonna open up you just need to hit the hole hard and then run like yeah. no one's being like oh Tula Papa, that guy's gonna beat people in a foot race well he did yeah because because you just hit the hole hard and you ran and i think cam Davis at least at the spring game looked like he under like he learned from that that it's like you don't need to break your feet down in the backfield every time you get a run sometimes you'll have to mm-hmm. but like when the hole is there and it develops nicely you just need to hit the hole hard and fall forward yeah
1: and they they used them a lot in the short yard situations throughout the day with those third and fourth and ones and on the goal line. And I, I think he he got most of them, you know, if not all of them. He got first downs on them when he was in there. I mean, that's really – on them, Which is really like – that's the most important thing. It's like when you get – you don't necessarily have to be a great running team all the time, but when you get into the red zone, you definitely have to be a good running team. And you have to be situational third, third and shorts. You have to be able to, to run the ball up the middle and get those. And so – from what I saw, it looked like he was doing that a lot better than he was last year. And so yeah, I think that's I think that's promising. And then you've got some other, you know, that Dylan Johnson guy that transferred from Mississippi State. I think he's an interesting, interesting prospect there. Um the the one that uh, Mike Leach said was soft <laughs> or something. Oh, that he called right. out. You remember that guy? Yeah. He, he he could be an interesting one, six foot two two hundred and sixteen pounds. So he's a pretty pretty spelt guy. You yeah, he's a pass catcher. Is he okay? Yeah, It makes he's... sense if he was in the air raid.
0: But yeah, that's, I think... that's a
1: big guy. That's a big running back. So he's bigger than than Dick Newton or two sixteen and Dick Newton's two fourteen. So similar, similar size, similar frame. So we'll see that that running back room has got a lot of guys in it. It's like Sam Adams, pass catcher that haven't even really seen him yet. But he's a highly recruited guy. So. He could be he could be out there
0: NFL bloodline.
1: yeah NFL bloodlines for sure. Um, yeah,
0: Daniel Nada, we didn't see yeah. uh, we no didn't Daniel see him Nada. at all, but
1: Yeah, he, he's was he, he was Arizona State.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's also a smaller guy that can be a pass catcher, so I mean, I think Cam Davis definitely has the range on this, especially as much like Wayne Toulapo was last year, is the guy that is going to be more of the between the tackles runner and then you have some of these more hybrid running backs that are going to probably catch more balls out of the backfield and maybe be space guys. Mm-hmm. But I, Cam Davis, we've liked him for a long time. Yeah. And I think he's at least if we're using the spring game as, you know, the last checkpoint, you know, or the, you know, the most recent checkpoint, he keeps getting better mm-hmm. and adding to his game. And so I think he's poised to have a really good year. Like Tula Papa had a really good year last year, and Cam Davis also had a nice year. And so, if he can, if he can take what he did last year and then absorb of the some of what Tula Papa did last year, absorb some of those carries, I don't see any reason why he can't be over a thousand yards. And he already he had a ton of touchdowns last year, didn't he? Yeah
1: he he, he already was our short yardage guy. Yeah, he already situations. he had so, he
0: had to have had close to, what fourteen touchdowns or something like that. Something like that. So. Don't know if you will repeat with that because, I mean, that's a lot. 13. 13, Yeah, 13 rushing touchdowns. It's pretty good in a season where you played 13 games. Absolutely. So, pretty exciting. But, in general, just to kind of recap how the game went. So, the defense started off really hot and took a, you know, they have kind of a funky scoring system. It's not, you know, it's just defense versus offense. So, They went out to a huge lead. I will say the offense kind of got gifted uh, some scenarios slash yardage because, if you remember early, the defense keeps getting stops and they're practicing punting and kind of playing it more like a real game. And they're punting it. and then
1: They start the ball on the offense's own 20-yard line. Or inside the 20 a lot of the time. So they had a lot further to go to get into field goal or into – Territory where you're in scoring territory, yeah.
0: And then they and then they just kind the of put up. the ball at the 40 yeah. yard line, yeah. And then, but so really, it's,
1: it's situational yeah. practice. So. But
0: then also the offense, I feel like, got a lot more realistic yeah, too. That they're rhythm. like, we're gonna run the ball to Cam Davis up. We're at the forty yard line. We're gonna run the ball up the middle to Cam Davis and keep moving the chains. Spam yeah. it, spam it to Dunze a few times, and then the offense started to click and score touchdowns. Yeah. So anyways, to put a bow on basically the whole spring game is that at that point the offense started to get rolling a little bit. Penix led a touchdown drive or two. Demo led a touchdown drive as well. And then they put in Alex Johnson. I think he's a or he's a transfer from Santa Monica, but he's originally from Bishop Blanchett.
1: Yeah, looked good. Pretty tall. Yeah, he gets 6'6", 215 or
0: something. They got him on the depth chart, but he looked pretty good.
1: Ran the offense well too.
0: Yeah, and then basically ended the game by throwing a dart, I believe it was to number 85, Cuevas, transfer tight end from uh, Cal Poly, but just threw an absolute dime down the seam right over the top of the defender, and he, the tight end went up and snagged it for a touchdown, and Naturally, as soon as the offense took the lead for the first time all day, uh, DeBoer blew the whistle and called it called it ball game. Classic
1: offensive coach move, there.
0: Yeah, but uh, it was fun to see somebody else get in, just because you know, DeMo, He seems like a likable enough guy, but seen enough of Demo. like
1: He's garbage.
0: Yeah, we and... We can
1: all agree on that.
0: And honestly, like with DeVore's pedigree as an offensive-minded coach, and the talent, as we just talked about for you know the last bit, re- recap in the spring game, is they should be a good enough team that if Penix gets hurt, which, to be clear, last year was the first season in his college career that he didn't get hurt. He played in all the games. You can't be one injury at quarterback away from completely derailing your season
1: yeah I think with the expectations this year too you don't really you you don't want to have panics even if it's something minor like he misses half a game or something you don't want to yeah you don't want to throw that game away just because you don't have anyone that can run the offense outside of him so yeah definitely a big need I'm also excited to see the the uh, freshman kid that's coming in I don't know where he's going to line up in the depth chart. He's also really young.
0: Yeah, he's going to be like seventeen when he shows up on campus. So yeah, he might, he might. He might be down
1: the depth chart a little bit, but just for future yeah. future stuff, I'm excited to see him out there too.
0: Yeah, so we'll see if uh, Alex Johnson—that's his name, right? I already forgot. Yeah, Alex Johnson. I mean, had some pretty good years at Santa Barbara Community College demo it seems like it's going to be tough for him to lose the backup job just given how much experience he has but honestly in a pinch i feel like even it was a short amount of work in the spring game and obviously it's against the 3s or whatever but he looks the part yeah. of a big time quarterback he is tall he was throwing some darts out there so i yeah, think he
1: wasn't afraid of the moment
0: yeah in the sure. event that like i said even if it's for a half a game or something. Penix picks up an injury, needs to go to the locker room, get the ankle taped or something, and someone needs to run the offense for a couple series. Like, you gotta have guys that can go in there and get it done. Yeah. Cause outside of outside of a Penix, a major Penix injury, there's no reason this team shouldn't be competing for a college football playoff spot can't be one Michael Penick's injury away from throwing away the entire season. So somebody has got to step up in that backup role. And it was nice to see Alex Johnson get in there and look like he's ready to compete. So any, any final thoughts on uh spring game? Ready to wrap it up?
1: Yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy that we haven't already talked about here. Excited to see this team come fall. There's a lot to be excited about defense. Defense was a surprise for the day. And how good they looked overall. So, and I, you know, we talked about it already that I know the offense is going to be just fine. So, you know, it's going to, a lot of football left to play. I saw that uh, the odds came out for a bunch of the big games too. And the Huskies, as it stands, are only not favored in the USC game. I think we're four and a half point dogs. But besides Sounds that, right. besides that, we're favored in every single game this year.
0: So, I mean, it makes sense. All of our toughest games are at home, except for that USC game. So you yeah. like and to you return everybody. Yeah, I mean, except you're going to be couple
1: a couple O line spots. Pretty much everybody comes. You're going
0: to gonna be a top ten team, so you should be favored at home yeah. most games, and then you're one road opponent that's going to be ranked. You would assume so. Odds mean nothing though, unless you go out there and yeah, you, <laughs> you got to go. You got to go do it. So. You got to go win the games. Well, anyways, with that all in mind, uh, probably ready to wrap it up. We've already gone almost two and a half hours after we started the show by saying we weren't going to go that long. So (laughs) sorry, we're we're liars. Sorry. not Sorry. Yeah. So we'll be talking more Husky football once the season gets ramping up here. Same with, you know, once the Seahawks get going too, right around July, August, there'll be a lot of football talk, but just wanted to get the conversation started, especially since we had the chance to go to the spring game. So uh, thanks for listening. Episode eight, bring your lunch pail unhinged part two. And uh that's it. Adios.